It's Blake and Darren's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Happy Monday, Sandy. How are you? Hello. Good morning, Blake and Aaron. How are you guys doing? Happy Monday. Right. What do you got for us this morning? All right. Well, I think everybody might have been watching the, uh, my apologies, the Super Bowl last night. And probably the biggest news out of that was the fact that Rihanna is expecting baby number two. Mm -hmm. So congratulations to her and ASAP Rocky. That's his name. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Baby daddy. Um, So congrats. Uh, Cayman Islands Heart Fund has hosted an inaugural fundraiser. They did a um, breakfast called Beating Hearts Breakfast, uh, and that was held on last week. Congratulations to them. And uh, the deputy governor, Mr. France Manderson, spoke at the event, and as you guys well know, um, he had a recent micro heart attack. And so he discussed the importance of making lifestyle changes, and he had started his journey some years back, and essentially said that had he not started on that journey and made some positive changes, he wouldn't be here to speak to us at all today. Mm, wow. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty scary. Um, the government has announced at the uh, Ministry of Border Control that advertising is now required for temporary work permits. Mm-hmm. This is closing yet another gap. So anyone who submits a temporary work permit, they will have to advertise those positions the new regulations were approved by cabinet and they come into effect on March the 31st. So make sure if you're an employer, you now know what the rules are. Mm. Jobs came out portal. It has to be advertised on that for um, at least 14 days prior to the submission of the temporary. Okay. Mm. Okie dokie. And of course, everybody continues to watch the um, Chinese balloons go by in the sky. I don't think we've seen any yet. But they have now shot down. I think they're a number four. Yeah. There's one that was shot down on Saturday over mm-hmm. Canada. Then there's another one shot down yesterday. Over and like so um, these are said to be some sort of surveillance uh, balloons that the Chinese continue to deploy. And they are, um, you know, the U.S. government and other governments are very, very concerned, saying that they believe, um, although they continue to study the, you know, um, makeup of the actual balloon itself, they believe that these surveillance balloons are trying to capture, um, you know, information about communications and where some military sites might actually be located as well. Huh. Pretty yeah, crazy. The uh, the Philippines are accusing China of using a military grade laser to temporarily blind their Coast Guard crews. Oh my um, gosh! I know they were they were out delivering some food uh, to an area where it's kind of in. Uh, I guess what they're calling um, a uh, disputed waterway uh, when a Chinese Coast Guard ship directed a military-grade laser at the Philippines' military ships. And so, you know, uh, I don't know what the, the Chinese are doing right now, but it's, it's, it's bizarre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's bizarre and scary. They seem to be amping up something. Yeah. I don't know why. All right, guys. Yeah, yeah so. weird. All right, catch we'll, keep, we'll keep an eye on it. Yep, uh, Sandy's show coming up in just a minute and a half on Bobo 89.1 FM, and we'll see you tomorrow. All right, guys. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. All right, folks. Good morning to everyone. We'll be starting here in just a minute. I'm going to refresh because it does look like my stream is a little bit fuzzy.
Bigger, bigger, better, better, bolder, bolder. The cold hard truth is taking talk to the next level. Right here on Bobo 89.1 FM, Cayman's Community Radio. We are still spilling the tea and committed to being part of the change that Cayman so desperately needs. Join Sandy Hill weekdays from 7.30 a.m. for Premier Access, Cayman Voices, Truthful Thursdays, and much more. Cayman's number one talk show is now bigger, bigger, better, better, bolder, bolder, and more than talk. Getting results with hot topics, consumer reports, court exposés, and more. I've come to set the record straight. I've come to shine the light on you Let me introduce myself I am the cold heart truth Now, from the CMR studio in Grand Cayman Live, direct It's the cold hard truth Now, now Join the conversation on 345 936 2626. That number again is 345 936 2626. morning folks happy monday how are you guys doing i trust that you had a fabulous weekend it is rewind monday so we're going to get to some of the monday shindings here in a minute tell you guys what i was up to big shout out to burger king they're bringing the spicy crispy chicken back bringing the heat Ooh la la um everybody good everybody's looking good just checking all of my bits and pieces to make sure that we have a seamless show there's somebody was saying to me the other day who's on the technical side of all this stuff. They say, you know, people don't understand what it takes. <laughs> Sometimes even people in the industry who are like, you know, managers and stuff like that, they don't understand what it takes to pull off and do what we do. You know, you're remotely, you're working from a home studio and, um, you know, it comes across the airwaves and it sounds so fantastic. And I'm like, yeah, actually it does. Um I don't know. Somebody says the radio is on ads. I'm not sure why that is because I just double checked and I could hear myself during the intro. So that's kind of weird. Um, hmm. So let me see. I didn't change anything. It was good just a second ago. <laughs> so speak, speaking of um, speaking of um, issues. <laughs> And the complexities of this, I literally just checked it because I, I adjusted my volume down slightly because mm. I saw that I was coming in a little bit hot. So I said to myself, um, mm, let me just move the slider over in the volume. But that should not have changed anything else. So it's a bit, it's a bit weird. So yeah, this person says, yeah, it was good. And then it, it changed. Hmm. Bizarre, bizarre, very, very bizarre. Um. Okay, well, I don't know what that's about. I'll keep an eye on it. Maybe I'll put the volume back up again. Okay. All right. 
Uh, Chuck is going to check that for me to see well, well, Guan, what's going on. But in the meantime, how was your weekend, folks? Hope you guys had a fabulous weekend. Uh, there's a couple things I'm going to be sharing here with you this morning. So again, big shout out to Burger King. They are our sponsor. You, you guys might have noticed that they're sponsoring uh, Chuck Fix It. Thank you, Chuck. You're a doll. You're a doll, darling. Maybe he might not like the term doll. You're a doll. Thank you, cuz. Um, so, you know, um, he, he's like my little, he's like the little, um, you know how you ever watch these cartoons where like there's somebody in the background, little creature doing all the tech stuff that makes everything work. That's Chuck. He's like, tick, 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 tick. Bing, 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 bing. getting it all done. Yeah. Chuck's the man. All right. Morning to Miss Iva. How are you? Mango season, Miss Iva. But don't bring me any now. Don't bring, don't bring me any more. I had my fill last week, so I won't have any for like a little while now because moderation is what's going to get me through life when it comes to this diet, honey chair. Um, as much as I love me a green mango, I can't eat too many. So I would rather be able to eat a few in life than to, to you know, have that A1C number go so high. I can't eat any at all. So I'm done for now. No mango and no sauce to go with it. Mm, mm, mm. If y'all know how much I love a mango. Can I tell you? When I first moved back to Cayman, um, I mean, the mangoes in Florida were just not the same because I like local mangoes. I'm all about my little common mangoes, y'all call them. Yes, I love them. They're my favorite. I can have, you'd be like, oh, try a Nam duck, try an East Indian. We have an East Indian tree and I don't even, I never eat. Looks like we're gonna have a good crop this year too because I see some on there. I never eat those mangoes. I'm like, yeah, I don't want those. Where are my local mangoes? I'm still trying to get a local mango tree in my yard. I keep telling Marlon, get on it now. This is a Caymanian household, honey chill. We need a local mango tree. So yeah, you have all these varieties of mangoes and I'm like, ugh, I don't want any of those. I just want my local mango. So when I came back after I was away for 15 years, I went on like a mango binge. Oh my God, I couldn't get enough. <laughs> I was eating mangoes out the wazoo, like every mango season, I was like on it. Woo. I tell you, man, it was crazy. Um, but you know, then I found out how much starch mangoes have in them. And I was like, Ooh, really? Even if they're green and the nutritionist was like, yes, they're very starchy and it has nothing to do. I mean, they get sweet obviously when they're ripe and I'm not eating them right, but it's not the sweetness that you have to worry about. It's the starchiness. I was like, Oh man. In fact, they say it's like the worst fruit for that. I'm just like, just my luck. Anyway, moderation. Good morning, Miss Tracy from New Zealand. She says we're in the middle of a cyclone slamming New Zealand at the moment. Really? Wow. How bad is it? Hopefully not too bad. Lizette's here. Stephen joining us in the UK. Came on detailing in the house. We've got Miss Alba saying buenos dias. Como estas? Yo estoy muy bien, gracias. Um, Sarah, good morning. She says we can't hear you in the radio. Yeah, I don't know what happened, but I think we're good now. Good morning to Miss Vernita. Uh, just, uh, just not Judy. Oh, yes. Okay, no problem. Oh, Mary is here. She says, good morning to all three Cayman Islands. Have a blessed week. Uh, yes, you're on day tw 29 of 40 of, what is that, a fast? Are you doing a fast? And if so, what does it entail? Good morning, Olivia. 
Hello, Robert. How are you? Uh, Lizette is here. Felicia's in the house. Yes. So, um, ah, what a day. All right. Let's let's do Monday rewind. Monday rewind. for Monday Rewind. The Cold Hard Truth's Monday Rewind show recaps the weekend's news and events so you don't miss a beat. Don't miss out. All the weekend's source, news, gossip, and well, it wouldn't be a weekend recap show without traffic accidents too. Cayman Marl Road is Cayman's number one news source and has the island's hottest morning talk show. It's the hottest. Make sure you don't miss a beat with Monday Rewind. Rewind. Tune in every Monday from 7.30 a.m. on both YouTube and Facebook. Yes, honey child, it's Monday Rewind. What's up? What's up? Okay. What did I do this weekend? What did you do this weekend? Well, as you heard in the Monday Rewind jingle, good morning, Miss Sue. Miss Amiria says she's doing a 40-day fast. Oh, tell us more about it. I'm interested. Um, so yes, um, listen, I had a good weekend. Uh, lots of, I wouldn't say lots, but there was a few car accidents that we'll talk about here in a second. But I went to the grocery store this weekend. Mm, now I told y'all. I don't go to the grocery store as often as I used to. Like that used to be like my Saturday thing. Like I'd spend all day Saturday grocery shopping. And I, I go to different grocery stores because honestly, I feel like on this island, each grocery store has something different to offer. Um, I do mostly shop at Foster's. Like if I just need to run in and grab something. Uh, I feel like I live in Foster's, in fact. And um, <laughs> at one point I saw Woody, like this was maybe a couple of years ago. I went in there like almost every day, the different stories. I'd run into Woody every single time. He's like probably thinking, do you want a job at Foster's? Because <laughs> you literally live up in here, honey chill. Uh, but yeah, Foster's is kind of like it's convenient countryside. Thank the Lord for that one. Remember when there wasn't a grocery store out this way? And those of you who live like East had to go all the way to like airport location. By the time you got home, your food was melted ice cream was melted. What a life. I actually remember because when I first moved back to Cayman, I lived on Cayman Kai. Don't ask me why. I thought it was a great idea. <laughs> Little did I know having to drive 25 miles, most of that uh, back in those days. And you know, they didn't even have, Cayman has really, for as fast as we developed, we've been kind of slow with certain things. Because I remember when I came back, this would have been like 95, 96 I came in 95 for a visit to try to decide if I even wanted to move back. There was no power lines like all the way out east yet. Like, you know, the streets, the street signs, not power, but the streets, street lights and stuff like that. I'm like, why aren't there street lights? <laughs> like, it was kind of weird. But anyway, I used to drive that. And my first thinking was, oh, yeah, I don't want to be in the city. Like, I want to move back and be away from it at all. Oh, God, that wore off really quickly. Let me tell you. Oh, the driving so slow. I would get pull off, pull over every single day in Bontown. The police officer is like, miss, you got a lead foot. This is not I-75 anymore. You need to slow down. I was like, oh my God, it was just crazy. 
And then I lived out in this little cottage. Um, I don't even know if it's still there now, but it was like this little round cottage. It was kind of octagon shaped. It was a weird, a bit weird. And there was no lights out there, like I said, no nothing. And I was there by myself um, because we were still in the process of like trying to move everybody down, all the dogs, husband, the whole nine yards. So I came first for about the first, I think, six or seven months, maybe, to try to get everything sorted out. And it was just like, at night, I felt like I was in the middle of a horror movie. I kid you not. It was so eerily quiet. You know, and you're like, oh, my God, why did I decide to live out here again? I'm going to be in one of those horror movies right now. Somebody's outside filming. And they're like, go ahead. Let's make her, you know, um, uh, Halloween part 50, uh, Caribbean style or some foolishness. Yeah, it was that crazy. I was like, Lord Jesus. But anyway, I stayed out there. I can't remember how long I stayed out there. Maybe the first six months or so. And it, it, it wore off very, very quickly. I was like, I'm so done with this. But grocery shopping was like Foster's Airport. That was it, honey. There was nothing closer. Now we got Foster's in East End. We got Countryside. We got Hurley's. This was before Hurley's was even there. Yeah, this was before country, um, Grand Harbor was there. So you had no choice. And like you bought a little something by the time you got all the way to East End, honey chill. Not just East End, Cayman Kai. It was melted. And I was like, Lord, what am I thinking living out here? Can't even get good ice cream because it all melts before I get there. Ms. Vivian, good morning. Bishop Hero Blair is in the house. Says that it's a beautiful day. The set is lovely. It looks real spicy. Thank you, honey chill. <laughs> um... I'm actually sitting down today in my chair. So most days, I think I've told you guys this a few times, I stand during the show. And so um, I stand for, um, you know, because I figure I'm sleeping all night. Like the last thing I need to do is actually sit. But this morning, uh, my shoulders are a little bit tired and uh, my feet are tired because I was up doing some cooking yesterday. So yeah, I'm, I'm sitting down for a bit. I, I probably um can't stay the whole show sitting down because I've really gotten used to like standing so now my bum will hurt in a little bit so probably the second half I'll stand up but let me tell y'all something so I did a little bit of cooking yesterday for Super Bowl Sunday uh, my husband invited some people over so you know we gotta treat people right when they're guests in our home and you can't come here with an empty belly and leave with an empty belly not in my household so I whipped up a few things um I made a cheesecake yesterday and so Marlon said to me, you can make a cheesecake because it occurred to me in the 10 years that we've been together, I have not made a cheesecake. Mm, mm, mm. Now I feel like I should be ashamed of myself even admitting this because I used to bake all the time, brownies, cheesecakes, everything. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I haven't made you a cheesecake, but maybe there's certain privileges you don't get until you kind of pass a certain market <laughs> relationship. 10 years might be a minute, but you know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, he's this is his first time having a cheesecake from the one that I've made. I bought him cheesecake, but I haven't made him a cheesecake. So anyway, we had cheesecake. We had um, my little um, custard top thing, which we've got leftovers, brownies. Oh God, we've got brownies with caramel in them. So if you want some brownies, y'all link me. Johan claims he was coming for brownies and I don't know where Johan is on now but he didn't come. And I hate to waste food. 
honestly, there's nothing that bothers me more than wasting food because there are, you know how your mama always say there's hungry people. There really are hungry people. And I don't mean all the way out in the middle of Africa. There are hungry people right here in the Cayman Islands. So anybody hungry today, please just message me. We'll be discreet about it. I can bring you some chicken wings. I can get you some sausage rolls. Big shout out to Waffle Monkeys. I got you covered. Yeah, I got some mac and cheese. I'm sure some of that's left over. We probably have some bread rolls. I can hook you up. And I got all the to-go containers. You just tell me and I'm going to put a little plate of food together for you. Um, so yes, we had a little entertaining yesterday and that's why I'm sitting down this morning. Cause cha, my feet are a little bit sore. I had to do a little massage with them last night. Cause I knew that if I didn't do a little massage before going to bed, they were going to wake me up and I was going to have a horrible night. Anyway, turns out I was woken up all night anyway, not because of my feet, but because Gianna wasn't sleeping very well. I told y'all she's, she's a bit of a poor sleeper, but I think she was overtired yesterday. And miss that bedtime mark. And she like had such an active day. You know, when that happens to kids, they're overtired. And she just kept waking up. So I slept with her to try to be there when every time she'd wake up. But of course, every time she wakes up, that means that I'm awake. You know, because she wakes me up. And at one point, it was like, I don't know, two, three o'clock in the morning. And she's like incoherent. I'm like, what is it that you want? Do you not feel good? Oh, God, yeah. She throws the covers off. She doesn't want the covers. And I'm just like, are you hot? Are you cold? Like trying to figure out how I can help. And I finally said, do you want some ice? Because she loves ice. And she's like, yeah. So she, she's in bed eating ice like at two o'clock in the morning. And she ate a few pieces and she dozed back off. So I was like, okay. Um... That's fine. Let her sleep for another hour or two because I knew it wouldn't have been long. So I didn't get the, the best night's sleep. Um, so I see a few people. Yes, who want a plate of food? All right. <clears throat> I'm making a note here. Because during the, during the conversation chat, I'll be talking so much and people will be messaging me. I'll forget. So I'm, I'm just going to make a little note here of who wants a little something, something. Yeah, Sunny Chad, we got plenty of food left over. Trust me. Um... So anyway, yes. Uh, and you know what I made yesterday? I made spinach and artichoke dip, which is not the first time I've made this. It's like, I love making it. But I did it in the crock pot. Y'all need to try it. It's so easy in the crock pot. Like literally, you just throw the ingredients in and leave it an hour. And it's going to just melt everything down. You stir it a couple of times during the process. Came out perfect delicious and you get those with the right little dipping chips mm. big shout out to my friend who does the pepper jelly um what's what's her name again oh gosh she lives there in east end anyway i had some pepper je jelly on my board my cheese board so that was super nice i love her pepper jelly she makes the best um sandra's sister oh gosh her name is not coming to me at the moment but y'all know who i'm talking about the pepper jelly lady She's amazing. So I was sore and um, I want to remind you guys, invest in a good massage gun. Yes, I'm going to promote massage guns this morning. I've had one now for a couple of years. We've actually given some away um, before in the past and they are such a good investment. There's different ones, I feel like, different quality and stuff. I had one before, I had another one, and I took that when we went away in um, December, 
and gave it to my mother-in-law, but I don't even know why, because <laughs> she said that she had one already, but my husband's like, oh, take her one. You know, she's always complaining about something. And um, yeah, so I was like, okay. Uh. But I had another one that I bought and I love this one. So I'm just going to show y'all what it looks like. This one kind of has a very different shape than my other one, but oh my gosh, why I got this one, why I kind of wanted to upgrade a little bit is this one has this that's like softer, like all the other ones I had with their initial gun were like really, really hard. This one's like a softer. So certain areas, especially the feet and stuff, this one just feels better on, but honey, shall get you invest in one of these. They can be a little bit on the pricey side, depending on different features. This one has um, three different like um, intensity levels. But can I tell you this morning, right before the show, I was sitting here doing this. Let me tell y'all, let me show y'all. I was like, oh yeah. I was doing my shoulder because right in here, I can feel a couple knots and stuff on my right side kind of building up, right? Oh God, it hurts as you're doing it. But then I can turn it off because that noise is kind of annoying. But then when you're done, it really feels good. You know, I can't always get to physiotherapy or massage therapist or whatever. Yes, I love getting a massage, but they can add up. They're expensive, you know. And sometimes, oh, God, I can feel that knot. It's like right, right there. So I'm going to work that out after the show with my machine gun, uh, machine gun, my massage gun, a <laughs> uh, couple, you know, 20 minutes of that, like in the right areas, ugh, you'll feel brand spanking new. Get one. It's a good investment. And you know what is so weird? Like sometimes you don't even feel like I'm going to do it on my tennis elbow today. Sometimes you don't even feel um, any pain, but like my calf muscles, I know they're always tight. I use it there as well to try and loosen them up a little bit on the leg. And you feel so much better afterwards. Massage is an important component of a good life. It helps with like lymphatic drainage and stuff, your circulation. Like everybody, you should massage your babies. You know, when you have babies, Google it. It'll show you how to do little baby massages and stuff. Mm. Really, really important to do. Um, so Marshall, good morning. Anybody else has a machine gun? Uh, Miss Gabby, good morning. She says, I would go east and fosters during COVID because the lines were shorter and faster. Don't mind the drive from Newlands. Yes. Oh, yes. During COVID. Oh, my God. Remember COVID times? You had your name day and all that kind of stuff. Oh, Lord. May those days never return upon us, please. Oh, those were some challenges. Listen, we've been through a lot the last couple of years. You guys know that's how this show started, the morning show. Because um, I would cover the press briefings and everybody would be messaging me afterwards Sandy, I don't understand a word of what Alden and this government just said. Can you break it down? Oh, yes, Miss Carol. Hey, that's my that's my pepper jello lady. Yeah, Miss Carol. Um, so you know, people are so confused that I started the morning show to kind of just one explain stuff to people or try to explain what I understood this because some days were confusing, especially when we had the donkey stories and all that kind of stuff. I was woefully confused. Um but in addition to that, people just, you know, because we weren't seeing each other in person, we needed that connection. We needed to be able to talk to each other. And I mean, we used to have so many, uh, okay, 
what a hot mess. We used to have so many um, just, uh, listen, we just needed to talk to each other. It was a stressful time. Oh my gosh. What, you know, what? We were just all stressed out, y'all. And the stress continues. I got to tell you the truth. Um, you know, that's why we, we talk to each other. So anyway, I went to the grocery stores. I went to um, Kirk Market, which I feel like I haven't been there in a minute. And then I went to Foster's Airport. And I ran into a little young man. Did you guys see my post on social media? He was a little bagger, really nice young man. And he said, Miss Sandy, um, you know, I want to tell you that I listen to your show and I love, he's like, are you going to go live today? And I said, are you an Instagram young man? He said, yes. Now, you know, sometimes Instagram content is a little bit different. And I have to remind myself that young people are on an Instagram. So I need to keep it PG for their sake. <laughs> but last night, if you, if you know, you know, I'm not going to repeat it. But if you know, you know, what was going viral last week about my comments about the cocks and the, and the, and the, the, the chickens and so forth. Um, so I don't tend to go live as much on, on Instagram that may change soon, uh, for, I'll tell you guys why later, but anyway, um, <clears throat> so yeah, I was like, yeah, you listen. He's like, oh yeah, I love your show. You know? So I want to thank everyone. Let me take this opportunity to express a whole lot of gratitude because Everywhere I go, and I was reminded of this on Saturday, having gone to, because then later on in the evening, I went to um, Countryside. <laughs> I was at the grocery store all day. And I was picking up some last minute things. And then I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to make a cheesecake. Adding stuff to the menu, picking up some last minute things. So big shout out to Foster's and Kirk's. And so, yes, yeah, so I was um, there speaking to a young lady and we were talking about, you know, stuff that's going on in the community. And I must have had a million people pass by and say, hello, hey, Miss." some people just say, Miss Mall Road, what's up, Miss Sandy, you know? And I'm so grateful. This lady was like, can you go anywhere now without being identified? And I said, not really. <laughs> I thought it was bad before, but not really. But you know what? I'm grateful. And I thank all of you, every single person, who takes the stop time <clears throat> to stop and say hello. Um, <clears throat> my goodness, sorry. Um, uh, oh, child, I'm getting all kind of, I'm getting all kind of requests of food this morning. Ooh, this person says, can I deliver it <laughs> to one of the schools? Yes. All right. All right. Um, <clears throat> so, Thank you for just the kind words. I mean, so many of you um, appreciate what we do here. And I appreciate you. And I appreciate you expressing it. You know, people walked in the aisle and they said, Psst, Miss Sandy, you just keep, keep on top of them, girl. You keep doing what you got to do. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. You know, there's something to be said. <clears throat> for not allowing you, you choose what you allow to seep into your head. And I am very much at this stage in my life, not concerned um, with what people think, especially when they're bringing negativity into your life. I'm like, child, go sit down somewhere else where you'll, 
negative Nancy attitude. Uh, it reminds me last week when we had NRA on and we were talking about the East-West arterial. There was a guy who in the comment section, I had to put him in timeout. So I don't normally do this, but when someone is monopolizing, you know, like they're just sending a million comments, I'm just like, listen, you've expressed yourself, I think, satisfactorily. The more you say it doesn't mean you're going to convince more people to adopt your position. And he just kept going and going and going. I could, you know, when you can feel the aggression, although somebody's typing, you can feel this aggression in the messages and this forcefulness of, I need to convince you of my position. So I put him in timeout. Apparently he got pissed off that I put him in timeout. And then he started WhatsApping me. Mm -mm -mm. This is what happens when everybody gets your number, honey, Joe. So he started WhatsApping me and he's like, we don't need this West Arterial at all. And I was like, um, okay. And you put me in timeout and so much for freedom of speech. I was like, dude, how much freedom of speech do you think you get? You've commented about 25 times. Do you not think that there's a limit that you could let other people sit back and listen and enjoy the conversation? So, um, he then, you don't understand the destruction that this is going to cause. And, da, 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 and I said, okay. So I'm taking the position that I don't have a position right now on the East-West Arterial. Right? I want to hear what the EIA is going to say and what mitigation we're talking about, et cetera, et cetera. Apparently, you can't not take a position, was what he was saying to me. I need to be against it. And, oh, you pick and choose. And I'm like. I'm not even going to engage this person right now because do we all not pick and choose what, what we're going to have an opinion on and what our opinion's going to be? That's why it's called an opinion, son. But, you know, some people I just don't even engage. I'm just like, ugh. let me just leave him alone. Let him talk to himself because he'll soon realize that I'm not responding and I'm going to just have you have, you just keep talking, honey child. Sometimes that's what you have to do to people, you know, even listen, an argument can only be one way if you don't engage people. So even in person, I know it can be difficult and some people really, you know, can get under your skin, but sometimes you've got to learn the art of just sitting there looking, looking at them with a blank expression on your face, like just sip your tea. Mm -hmm. I'd be like silence. Silence is deadly. And it's also golden at the same time. So I'm thinking, okay, you, you think that if you bombard me with your opinion that that's going to change my mind? In fact, normally the opposite happens because I'm like, why are you so forceful? I don't like people who are forceful like that. Uh, yeah, you're too salty, honey, chill, even for me. And you know, I'm, a, I'm salty on a good day. So anyway, I'm, somebody else asked me too, what's your opinion? And I said, I don't have an opinion. I want to wait and see. Someone mentioned to me over the weekend, they said, don't you think it's interesting that all the people who have, let me, let me read this to you. Um, I want to read this properly now because there's a comment that came in on this. This person says, have you noticed that most of the objectors and noisemakers of the East-West Arterial is coming out of South Sound? Yes, most of South Sound, yet, sorry, 
Most of South Sound is built on Tarpon Lake and other mangrove areas that were filled in by dredging sand from the sea. <laughs> Not to be overlooked is the many clear infringements of the road widths, question mark. <laughs> Touche. They're okay now because they 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 got their South Sound homes and they're they're not worried about anything unless another hurricane comes in that direction and takes them out again and the road disappears again. But it is interesting, the people who are not impacted by the east-west arterial in the sense of having to live with the daily stresses of dealing with, you know, only having one road, heaven forbid the one road gets blocked, there's an emergency, there's a storm that blocks the road. Like they don't have to think about any of those things because it doesn't really impact them. And so their perspective would naturally be very, very different. And, you know, I do notice as well that in the group of people who are very much against it and who had all these questions, you know, they're just not willing to wait for the experts to weigh in because everybody is an expert. So not only is everyone an expert, but um, they're part of the cave group. You know, you know, you know who the cave people are. Caymanians against virtually everything. And they speak up about everything and they're anti this and anti that. And I think to myself, Lord, how do you live in a space where you're against everything that happens? I mean, it just feels like so negative and heavy. Like sometimes you just got to be like, let me objectively try to analyze the situation for what it is. So, you know, I don't know, y'all. It's just crazy. It's just some days I'm just like, what a hot mess. Good morning. Talk what you know. Mr. Amelia's in the house. Dean is here. Luis, buenos dias. Um, Lisette says, I want cheesecake. Oh, yes, there's some left. Um, I don't know how much, but we do have some left. So I'll, I'll set some aside for you. And um, I tell you what, I, like I was saying, was just so appreciative of all the positivity over the weekend that I received going to the grocery store. When you see your baggers, let me remind you, I don't normally walk around with cash, but I had a little bit of cash on me this weekend. Tip those young men and women. They could be doing something else with their time on a Saturday morning and they're getting up and they're going working so that their families can have a little bit of extra money coming in, you know? So tip them, give them a little $5 if you got it in your pocket, treat them well, and also make sure you tip your gas attendants, right? The people who pump your gas. You know, I forget how fortunate we are here in Cayman to have someone pumping your gas until I go back to the States. And then I'm, I'm sitting there in the car, I pull up at the gas station, I'm sitting in the car. And I'm like, oh yeah, I got to get out and do it myself, don't I? <laughs> Ooh, thank you to all the pump attenders. All right. Miss Sue has a swollen foot, black toe from the centipede bite. Oh my gosh, yes. I saw that you said you'd got bitten by a centipede. Mm-mm. What a mess, honey chill. You know, I've never been bitten by anything like that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm not looking to get bitten. We have a lot of centipedes um, in this area. And when we first moved into this house, you know, like they're they're used to having, I guess, run of the mill. Oh God, almost every week we had one running through here. It was unbelievable. Ooh, honey chill. There's something else. Um, did I ever tell you that? Um, oh gosh, Stacy says that she packed two containers of food and gave to Marlon. So she's like, "You have limited food left, so don't be giving out anything more." <laughs> 
Oh, I've got a, I've got a couple. I've got a couple requests, Stacey. So we have to see what we got left. Um, so, so yes. Um, one time I came home and I found Coco on top of the um, washer. Now Coco was a little dog, so I'm looking at her like, how on earth did you get on top of the washer? Well, apparently we had a centipede that had babies in the laundry room. So when we'd go out, we'd put up the little doggy gate and Coco would stay in the laundry room. So she wasn't roaming all over the house. And this mother centipede, we saw the mother before we left out. We had sprayed her earlier in the day, but she had, I had no clue that they had so many babies. Why didn't somebody tell me they have like 50 babies at a time, apparently. Oh my God. So they were running everywhere. And Coco was like, I'm not going to get stung by no centipede. So she literally, she was always a very good jumper. I was amazed for little dog, how she could jump up because she used to steal food off the counter. You couldn't leave any leftovers on the counter, nothing, because she'd pull it down and steal it. And I would always look at her and go, how do you do it? You can't possibly reach that high. But child, she would, she had a method to it. She would jump and just keep jumping. And every time she'd get a little bit higher, a little bit higher until she would pull it down. So anyway, she managed to jump up on top of the washer, which is a good, that's like what, four feet off the ground? So I come home and I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? So she jumped up, but then she couldn't get back down. Because <laughs> she's looking down. She's like, oh no, I can't do that. So I had to take her down. And then I saw why she was jumping up there in the first place that day. It's one of my favorite pictures of her. I'll have to find it one day and show y'all. But yeah, poor Coco. <clears throat> She's such a sweetie patootie. Um, so Valley B says, I don't need a massage gun. I have a massage man. <laughs> These hands work wonders. Sha, consider yourself lucky because I must tell you, Marlon, mm -mm, he's horrible with massages. That's just not his thing. I will be the first to admit it, honey, Chow. If you're looking for him to massage you, you might as well go to the massage parlor because it ain't going to happen. Um, yeah. And, you know, I find that I have the gun. I can control the intensity exactly where I need it and the whole works. Mm -hmm. um, so sad that people use animals in abusive situation to entertain their simple mind. Yeah. So Valley, let me tell you about this. So I ran into the young man who was involved in the whole rooster fighting situation on Saturday when I was leaving um, Kirk's. You, I find that you, you see different people at Kirk's than you do at Foster's, by the way. Like, really? So, yeah, so I was leaving Kirk's and this person drove up to me in this big black truck. And this guy's like, oh, you know, Miss Sandy, you wrote this article about me. And I was like, saying hi, you know, friendly, whatever. And I'm like, what article? Like, I don't know who the hell you are. So I'm like, what article are you talking about? Oh, the one with the roosters and blah, blah. I said, oh, that's you? He looked a little bit different than the picture. And I said, oh, that's you? Yeah. And, you know, I might lose my job because you're making me look. I was in cockfight. And I'm like, well, we didn't say that you were. Read the article now. Pay attention. What we said is that you were charged with cockfighting and that you... Um, got off on that and you admitted to the animal cruelty charges, which was altering the, the animals, the roosters. So he said to me, 
oh, you know, I wouldn't do that because I know that's un- un- unlawful or illegal and I work for government. And I'm thinking, uh, yeah, a lot of people work for government. They're still doing illegal shit. But anyway, okay. And um, those, those are my animals. Uh, he almost implied that he loved them. And I'm thinking, but why would you alter them? Like, that doesn't make any sense. You just alter them because you think they look good without their, um, what was the thing on top of their heads called again? So I wasn't really into no big time conversation with the, with the young man. But what I want to say is, we're not the ones who put you in court. We're not the ones who make you do what you do. And, you know, you admitted to it, to animal cruelty. We don't force you folks to, um, you know, to end up in court. We just cover the news. We cover the court news. That's our job. And so you need to try to separate the two things. There was a father in court, by the way, for beating his child with a belt on the hand. Now, when I saw the name show up in court, on the court list, and I I thought, oh my gosh, I know this guy, and I know the child, and I know the wife and everything. It must have been that there were some injuries caused by the beating of the child on the hand. And there's certain things that are, uh, you know, y'all believe in corporal punishment. And I do think that there are certain things that really do cross the line and that you can cause injury to a child um, with certain types of punishment, which is child abuse, beating children with belt buckles and all kind of stuff. There has got to be a limit, even if you, you know, believe in corporal punishment, which like I said, y'all need to find more effective ways of dealing with your children than simply violence, using violence against them because you're teaching them that when I want something from someone, the easiest way for me to get it is to put my hands on you. That's why we have so many people up at Northward now. Y'all don't understand the magnitude of what I'm saying. Every single person at Northward got beaten. None of them were part of any Fandango family where they were like, oh, no, we don't believe in corporal punishment. No, they got their behinds whooped and beat with tamarin switch, shoes, irons, all sorts of stuff. It didn't help. And in probably more cases than not, it did more damage. But, you know, y'all are missing the important part about living an exampled life. That's the problem. Right? Y'all are not living a good example for your children. But when they do something wrong, the first thing you want to do is beat them. Lulu, good morning. She says, stop putting people in timeout. This was the first time I'd actually use a timeout feature because the app that I use to live stream doesn't have it. But Facebook has it. And normally I don't have the Facebook stream open because I get feedback. So, But I had it open that day and I had it muted. And um, yes, my darling, when I saw they have a timeout feature, I'm like, oh, mess with Facebook. Morning, Alejandro. Morning, Miss Ethel. Um, says, what is it that we can do in Cayman? Like what? What are you looking to do, honey child? Uh, and Miss uh, Sue says, and some families have to leave by 5 a.m. to get to work for 8 a.m. It's hard. That's crazy. I cannot imagine having to wake up that early in the morning, especially kids. They need that little extra hour. Now, did y'all see over the weekend, by the way, the post that I put up about um, starting school like 10 o'clock in the morning actually has more benefits to children? Studies have been done in relation to this. 
And I want to encourage the government to look into it because it's there's good scientific reasons why the later you start school in the morning, the better off your kids are. Just like even the later you allow children to start school, everybody's like, put the child in at four years old, at two years old. You know, the ki- the countries that we emulate and we say, oh, you know, they do such a fantastic idea, um, fantastic job with education. They have the lowest incarceration rates in the world, et cetera, et cetera. Y'all need to look at how they do it. Seriously, those places don't force children to, to know the entire alphabet by the time they're two and three years old. That's the lowest form of learning anyway. That's just repetition. They allow children to learn through play. So this study says that starting school at 10 a.m. instead of 8.30 halves cut in half the student's illness and improves academic performance. And there have been a couple studies that are right on point with this. Now, we need to start thinking about some alternatives, including flex time for our schools. Okay. So think about it. We need to be able to have flex time at work. Everything from, you know, not having to go in. Everybody doesn't have to go in 8.30 to 5. Some of y'all can work a 10 to 6 shift. The remote uh, working should be able to continue post-COVID. I have no clue why everybody has to work the exact same hours. And then all businesses want to, um, all businesses want to, you know, close at 5.30. So it's like the second you get off work, you have what, half an hour to try to get something done? Oh my gosh. No, 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 no. Right? I feel like we should do a little bit better than that. So I think our government could look into this. It's not entirely unheard of that um, we start to adopt some sensible research-based policies even when it comes to things like our children um, and when they're going to school. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll circle back to that conversation because I think it's interesting. And I think there'd be a lot of parents who would be in support of it. Having a much better, um, you know, program when it comes to getting kids to school. I'm not opposed to a bus system that is safe for your children and that allows them to, you know, travel in groups. I used to take the bus when I was in school. Never killed me, honey child. It was a very interesting experience, actually. Now, I do believe that safety is really, really important, especially now that we live in a world where all sorts of things can happen. Oh, my God. Can I tell you all something? Over the weekend, my heart was broken when I saw um, an interview with a mother on, oh, God. Oh, my God. I can't even, I can't even bring myself to tell you all about this story, but this really happened. I'm going to let y'all hear it. If you have kids, t- turn the radio down. 
you do not want your children to hear this part of the conversation. But this is a reality check because I do feel like sometimes we live in a bubble. We don't always keep up with what's going on. And so this is one of those examples that shocked even me. And I feel like, you know, I'm in the know a lot. I don't try to hide uh, the truth from myself. I'm very much like, okay, the world we live in can be a really unbelievable place. Yeah? But there are stories that even for me, are difficult to digest and understand how this is possible. So when we talk about children on buses, I want you all to listen to this. Like I said, don't let two young kids listen to this because it is disturbing information. All right, listen up. Mother is demanding answers tonight after she says her six-year-old son was repeatedly sexually assaulted while riding the school bus. Mm. investigation is underway right now in Aldine ISD. ABC 13's Maya Shea joins us live with these serious allegations, Maya. Yeah, these allegations are so disturbing. And the mother says she believes it's gone on for several months. But it wasn't mm. until her son lost his backpack last week and she called here at the transportation department to get to the bottom of this missing backpack that everything came out into the open. Latoya Stormy Monroe is devastated. She says she had no idea that her six-year-old son was being sexually assaulted on the school bus. I feel like as a parent, I failed my child. It hurts. I didn't protect him. Mm. I, I don't know what to do. Monroe was joined by community activists today in front of the Aldine bus bar to discuss what they believe happened, that over the past several months, an older child would repeatedly molest and sexually assault Monroe's son on the bus and that the bus driver didn't notice. According to the investigator, the bus driver stopped the bus because she thought they were fighting on the back of the bus, but this mother's child was fighting because he was being raped. Monroe says My everything God. came to light last Tuesday when efforts to track down her son's missing backpack led school officials to look at surveillance video on the bus. Uh. Then she got a call. I get to the school and I find out that my son was sexually assaulted. Days of, of questioning, days of talking to my child, the details became more and more graphic each and every time. Since then, her son has been treated at the hospital and they've spoken to investigators. In a statement, the district says in part, an investigation by Aldean ISD police and district officials immediately began on Wednesday, February 1st. CPS <sighs> was notified. Once the investigation has concluded, appropriate action will be taken based on investigation findings. Meanwhile, Monroe says her son doesn't even fully understand My what God. happened. He's not really at his age understanding the magnitude. He actually really stated that, um, why couldn't this kid be given a second chance? If God gives second chances, why mm, couldn't mm, mm. the perpetrator? Monroe says she hopes her speaking out today will get her answers and justice for her son. My God, I I came across that in my WhatsApp feeds, and I must tell you, I was shocked to my core. Oh my God, it's so horrific. I can't, I it literally just brings me to tears. There are so many questions that I have. 
about how this could possibly happen. First of all, when you have children on a bus who are six years old, you do not allow them to sit in the back of the bus um, with older children. My God, there's something wrong with the policy. You know, if you have children that young riding the bus, they need to be in the front and you need to have a bus warden. Someone who sits in the back of the bus, because that's where all the bad kids want to sit with their foolishness. But thank God that that school has, at least they had cameras on the bus. So eventually, but if if the little boy had never lost his backpack, this might have never came to light. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? It's only because she was looking for the backpack and they went to check the cameras. Oh, Jesus, this is horrible. How could... I don't even understand. I don't even understand. My brain can't process this, to be quite honest with you. Did other children not see this and comprehend what was happening to this poor little boy? Only six years old? And he's been victimized for months? Oh, Jesus. So before I jump on the bandwagon talking about, yes, let's have buses, you all need to make sure that you have proper procedures in place to keep your kids safe on these buses. Because we've seen it before, kids fighting on the bus. You know, I used to have an issue with with Mike in high school. That's his name. Can't remember his last name, but anyway, he's probably in jail now if he's still alive. Um, you know, harassing me on the bus all the time. He was harassing me in biology class too. And then one day me and, me and Mike had to scruffle. And I'll tell you what, I wasn't going down without a fight. Good morning, caller. Good morning, Sandra. How are you? Not bad, my dear. Just trying to oh, listen, from... listen to that, oh that story there. That is a very, very sad story. Mm, but mm, like mm. you said, it, it is a reality. Mm. But where is this for going on for months? And thank God, uh, let's hope it not happen. And I'm saying that this will hope it not happen in Cayman, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's hope not. But can you, but you, what, what? If they got a camera on the bus, mm-hmm. what is the purpose of the camera on the bus? That's what I thought too. Nobody's ever checking it. Nobody has. I mean, <sighs> nobody has ever checked this. So it, it, it that that <sighs> that again shows us, you know, what, mm-hmm. what 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 are we paying for these things for? I mean, we don't have. I, I don't think we have cameras on our buses. That we, we have a bus warden. Mm-hmm. I think most of our buses have bus warden, but then they they're fighting and everything. They should add cameras too. Yeah, we sound like, well, we, uh, I hope that somebody in the government is listening and we need this mm-hmm. because, we you know, mm-hmm. this kind of behavior is extended all over now for yes, problems. unfortunately. So, unfortunately, so we got to, we, we got to monitor vehicles, yes. but I don't understand it. I mean, if this poor mother didn't, child didn't miss this lunch kit, mm-hmm. what, mm-hmm. what was the purpose of these cameras being used? Because mm-hmm. if they... It would have much they should have seen that this is going on. View this camera. That, I mean, I don't know who, who monitoring the cameras. Yeah, clearly nobody. No, nope. I mean, it defeats but, the purpose of what know, they were there for. It, yes, I mean, definitely. But thank God, in a way, that at least the evidence was there because, you know, the child might have eventually told his mom and she was probably in such a state of belief that she was like, no, maybe he's confused or, you know. But yeah. I mean, once you see it on camera, I guess there's no denying what was actually happening. And that that child... Yeah, but thank God, thank God, thank God for the cameras that's an extent because the people that watched it wasn't his caretaker. Yeah, that's true. 
you know, abusing women later in life and whatever, because that was just his MO even in high school. And, um, you know, one of the incidents that I had with him was actually on the bus. And the bus driver sat there. I know we didn't have a bus warden then because the bus driver, who happened to be his aunt, by the way, she sat there and did nothing. As her nephew, like, attacked me on the bus. He wasn't even supposed to be on that bus route because I think maybe he was staying with her or something. I don't know what the arrangement was. But, child, I had to defend myself. I was like, oh, no, you're not going to be putting your hands on me. My, uh, you know, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, honey, child, that's not going to go down like that. These young boys, they think that they can control these little girls, be grabbing them, beating them. No, 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 not me. Don't put your hands on me because I'm going to put hands right back on you in the name of self-defense and you're not going to like it. Thank God I've never been in any kind of relationship like that because Lord knows I would be in jail. I'm just saying. Mm-mm. Oh, RJAJ. The initials for tactical. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. But yes, honey. I mean, what's the point of these damn cameras? Oh my God. I I, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. It just makes me sick to my stomach. It really, really does. Poor child. You know, over the weekend, I was talking to someone about the grooming of children. This is, these are conversations that they make me uncomfortable. It makes me upset. But we have to understand that teen on teen, child on child sexual abuse is real. And it happens more often than you think. Last time I quoted statistically, the last time I looked it up, um, it was at least a quarter. Somebody said, no, it's more like 50% or more. So teenagers and younger children are victims of sexual assault at the hands of other children. This has happened right here in the Cayman Islands and y'all need to pay attention to your children and do not allow them to go out in the neighborhood just roaming the neighborhoods, running around talking about, oh yeah, Cayman is, is free and easy and they can hang out with cousins all day in the bush. Don't do it. You're exposing your children to unnecessary harm. Good morning, caller. Yeah, Miss Sunday. Same thing with the um the the sex education in school teaches you a lot of these things as well when it comes into abstinence and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I I understand when children um become curious because they might see their parents involved in certain activities and mm-hmm. um also when the parents is not um monitoring what the children watch on TV as mm-hmm. well does affect them, their attitude and their actions. Mm-hmm. So I think that um what happening in the United States is that they're just allowed to do whatever they want to do. So then they're like not even monitored what they do at school, much less even care. And well, you um, know what somebody was telling me last night, and, and this is where I think a lot of parents don't always they're not sometimes parents are not capable of keeping up with their kids because you know your kids get a hold of these smartphones they got Snapchat and all these other apps that as adults, we might yeah, not yeah. necessarily be into, right? But someone was saying that apparently a young person was explaining to them how they get access to pornography on um, Instagram, like their Instagram like channels or huh. feeds or something. Yeah, that was news to me. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, Instagram? Yeah. I'm like, how is that possible? So I There's think sometimes like, there, are these, these, there are these like underground channels and stuff 
and you know yeah. pages that are created that the adults have no knowledge of and they don't know and the children yeah. know about it and they share it with each other and um you know listen if you if your child has a, a smartphone and you do not have monitoring some sort of monitoring software on it you need to get it and you need to yeah, know because I have every single keystroke that your child is pressing on that phone Exactly, exactly. And you know, like I have a sister in California and she's 15 years old now. And mm. no, actually she's 16 years old now, right? And from she's 15, she's already engaged into smoking vapes. And I was like, what oh the gosh. hell? I'm like, who encourage you to these things? And I'm not trying to be biased to the white people, but Americans in general, they just have a different mentality. And I don't understand where they catch it from. But social media has... Their listen, let, let me challenge you to not just say Americans because I see our kids vaping. But where they're learning it from? But where are they learning it from? They're learning it from their households. No, no, no. I see children and I'm like, where are you getting access to vaping? Oh, my uncle, give this to me, my bigger brother, blah, blah, blah. And they grow up in mom. like households where they're like, oh, yeah, we smoke pot all day. If you sit down smoking pot all day, right, you can't turn around and tell yeah. your kids not to smoke pot. Come on now. Because a child well, is well, going to live well, the example that you're setting for them. You're correct. You're you're correct, right, to an extent. Because I I was raised up with um, family members as well with addiction abuse. And they um some of them do drugs that I would not even imagine thinking of doing. Mm. And it's not. I, I still do believe it's a choice. And... When a child is encouraged to do something is a different thing from when they see and what they're doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, like you have parents that might just don't give a damn if a child is smoking cigarettes. When I'm saying that, like 15, 16 mm -hmm. years old, because they believe that, yeah, you're in an adult stage. When I was your age, I was doing this too. And, you know, like they have that generational curse that we have in our families here in Cayman. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, who, like what we've always been talking about every time we got to watch who we make our children hang out with, even if they're family. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Um, definitely watch who your kids hang out with, because like I said, a lot of teenagers, um, sometimes they're older, sometimes they're the same age or even younger. I know of a young lady, her mom called, she was sexually assaulted at um, one of the local schools, John Gray in the library. Now here, this hot mess. A teacher, the, the librarian or guidance counselor, whatever, was in the space with these kids. She gets up and leaves two children unattended. The young lady, just by way of an example, say she was 12. The little boy might have been 10 or 11, and he sexually assaulted her. He raped her. This is the allegation. This is what the mother called and said. The child was in therapy. All this stuff, she said, not even the school teacher had bothered, the principal had bothered to call her to check on the child. This was during COVID that I was hearing the story. And I was like, what? Right here in the Cayman Islands. Now, you wouldn't imagine that a 10-year-old would be able to rape a 12-year-old. But yes, it happened. Right? Whatever environment he's in, only God knows what he was being exposed to. She said that I think he'd only been here a couple of years because he was brought from Jamaica. I guess he's got parents or a parent now that is here in this jurisdiction. He's able to go to school. You don't know. You have 
no idea. Even in your own family, some of y'all got a particular name and you think that name gives you a certain status in life. It means nothing when it comes to child abuse, even amongst the kids in your family. There's a real interesting case now that happened not too long ago. The allegation is that cousin molested the younger cousin for years. Leaving a devastating mark on her life. You know? Oh, let, let, come, come, Sammy. Go, you can go with us in the bushes. You can stay over to your auntie's house and y'all down in the basement without supervision. Lord Jesus, I pray that as parents, y'all are listening to me today. This has happened on our small little island numerous times. Do not allow your children to be unsupervised with other children. And don't think there's any safety in groups because sometimes these boys are ganging up and multiple ones of them are having sex with the little girl and they're all abusing her. <sighs> call me paranoid, but guess what? You can call me paranoid. You can call me a helicopter parent. Name me anything you want, but I will do everything in my power to protect my daughter. And if that means that I can be looking over your shoulder when you come over, tell me you coming for a play date. Yes, I'm going to be there watching. Right? No sleepovers in either direction. Because some people are like, oh, well, I'm not sending my child. But come. Nope, I don't want your child coming over and sleeping over by me either. Don't even ask. It's not on the table for discussion. It is... I feel like we just live in this like fantasy land where we don't want to believe that these things happen. And in fact, when it's teen on teen, y'all minimize it. I've heard leaders in this country say to me, oh, but Sandy, he's just a teenager. And your point is, he's still a sexual predator. It was still raped. It was still non-consensual. The impact on that child is still real. Just because he's a teenager, the only difference it makes because he's a teenager is that there is um, good evidence that if you get them early enough, right, because they're on their way to being serial predators now, that therapy can help teens, whereas the older predator therapy is already a lost cause because it's so ingrained in who they are, right? They're just opportunists. So parents, my God, wake up, wake up, wake up. Years ago, there was a case of a little boy who started wetting his bed after being potty trained. I forget exactly how old he was. So he was like eight, nine, somewhere in that range. And a family member was telling me about it. He, he's from West Bay and his family member said to me, oh, you know, he started wetting his thing. I was appalled. I said, what? He's wetting himself as an eight, nine-year-old. I said, listen to me, take this very seriously. And they were like, why? What do you mean? And I said, that is one of the signs that a child is being sexually molested. Look into it. The child is sustaining some kind of trauma while they're reverting to bedwetting. And sure enough, sure enough, I'm sorry to say, but I was spot on. 
neighborhood boys, right, that this little kid was hanging out with was making him perform oral sex on them. Mm-mm-mm. My God. And the little neighborhood boys, they'd come from a family where there was a history of molestation. Their mother and her siblings were known to have been molested by their grandfather. Apparently, he used to tie him outside and all kind of stuff out by the fence. And everybody in West Bay knew in that little area of West Bay what was going on. And people in those days remained silent and did nothing. These predators are permitted to walk amongst us with complete immunity. It's, it's, it's disgusting. So when I heard the story, I thought to myself, that hasn't skipped a generation. Somebody doing something to those boys as well. Sometimes it's direct molestation as well as sometimes it is um, over-sexualizing them, grooming them, right? Exposing them to pornography and other stuff that is not appropriate for children. And children don't know when they're exposed, they become hypersexual. They don't know really what to do with that stuff except to act it out. Be careful what your children have access to and what they're watching. You need to know. Yeah. It's a real issue. Um, And I feel like we need to have more honest discussions about it. But people try to hide it. You know, this this story that I'm thinking of with this young lady who was allegedly, because of course, nothing ever happened to the young man. And I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. I have to be honest with you. If I found out something like that happened, the least that would be done is the police would be called and somebody would have to be going to jail. Parents who don't do anything in the name of saving face for the family, I don't understand. I don't want to judge you in this. But I have to tell you that I don't understand it, not for all the excuses and explanations in the world. I actually went back when I heard this story and I looked at the social media profile of the young man in question. And it broke my heart when I saw this young lady standing in photos during Christmas time with her perpetrator standing right behind her. And I thought to myself, what, how do you explain this to me? On the one hand, it's one thing to say, you don't want to bring shame on the family, which this is no shame. Stand up for your children, stand up for your children. They need to know that if something happens, you're going to be there for them. If nobody else, you're going to be there for them and you're going to stand with them. But how do you force your child? to go to family events, right? And still have a relationship with their abuser, their rapist essentially, who molested them for years and stand in photos with them where this person is right behind them in a photo. How do you do that? I would punch that little SOB every time I saw him, much less force my child to be at a Christmas dinner in a... Listen to me, no way in this life, no relationship is worth that. I don't care if it's my mother, father, sister, I'm not business with who you are. 
Yeah. My favorite nephew, niece. Oh, God, no, no, and no. It, it just, it just boggles my mind, but we're not there yet, folks. We have got a long ways to go. Um, I commend people when they admit that abuse has happened and they're at least willing to do that because they see the harm that it does. And not everyone copes in the same way with abusive situations. Some people can't cope with it. Please support victims and especially the young ones because they need to know that they've done nothing wrong and that that's my stomach growling, my apologies. And that as a parent, you're going to be there for them no matter what. Yeah. And if that means ending other relationships, if that means, you know, I can't be part of this family anymore for the sake of my child, because I need to protect my child. I need to give my child peace of mind and the police will be called. Then that's what you do. Please, I'm begging y'all to um, go to bat for your children. They need to know that you're willing to do that much for them. Anyway, um, it's just a really sad situation. Be vigilant, be vigilant, be vigilant. That's, that is the best advice that I can give. Um, these, are, these are trying times. You know, e even when I was in Jamaica, my husband thinks I'm so paranoid, but I tell him, I said, listen, I've seen too much. I've heard too many stories from victims. You know, I've sat in court too many times to not know uh, what's happening. It takes a split second. I've sat in court and seen these stories where children, yeah, are in a split second preyed upon. The story of the young man who um who actually was renting from someone. Little kids are visiting, say it's their aunt, just as an example, visiting over at their house and they have a tenant, right? The little girl says, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. Nobody thinks twice about this. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, the bathroom over there. You go bathroom by yourself. Little, little child who's like, you know, five years old. Six years old, walking to the bathroom by herself. Here comes this tenant, their opportunist, follows her in the bathroom and molest her in a matter of minutes. That's how, that's, it only takes a split second. It doesn't take long. And then, you know, the dude doesn't stop. The older sibling comes, he molests her too. But had he not done, because the younger child didn't even understand what was happening to her, had he not done that, um, it probably would have been a lot more difficult to even capture him and put him in jail. Because the younger sibling knew that this isn't right and she knew what was going on. The younger child was like, oh, well, he touched me. He did this with his, but she didn't understand really what was happening. A split second. 
That's all it took. My God. So I remember, you know, Gigi met her older cousin. He's 11 years old and I don't know this boy. And even if you know him, I'm like, nope, I'm there at my child. So we were all, um, one of her uncles, he's into like birds and stuff like that, right? So we were all there on top of his roof. He keeps his birds and he feeds them and whatever. And um, I see that the um, little boy's like, oh, you know, let's go back downstairs and um, and play. I was like, I'm right behind you. And then two seconds later, oh, let's go back upstairs. They were up and down the stairs so much, child. I was behind them getting as much exercise as I possibly could up and down and everywhere. Because you don't going to be downstairs as an 11-year-old boy that my daughter just met playing with my six-year-old daughter and all the adults are upstairs on the roof. Oh, no, honey child. This is what I'm telling y'all. Don't do it. Now, of course, my husband, husband thinks I'm paranoid. And, oh, you know, his family would never do it. Yes, every family in the world has said that. Every family. I'm not trusting nobody. <laughs> you know, think me crazy, but that's okay. Like I said, I have seen and heard too many situations to know better. You understand what I'm saying to you? They might have thought it was weird. Like, why she keeps following these kids around? Yep, I'm there. I'm that parent. This person says, trust no one, better safe than sorry. You better believe it. Oh, yeah. That's right. Better safe than sorry. That's the right approach. Mm -mm -mm. Unbelievable. Oh, my love. And, and sleeping by herself in some other room? No, no, TD. You sleeping with me in the same bed? Nope. Nah, it ain't happening. That's why I don't like, I don't, people come and visit me. I don't let anybody come in my house. Right? My daughter's room is over on that side. When they visit, I'm in her bed sleeping with her. Because things happen when children are sleeping that sometimes they cannot even remember. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Vigilance. Vigilance is what is needed. Protect your children at all costs. Um, Tracy says we have a cyclone. Oh, gosh, poor Tracy. She said the power just went out. Good morning, Miss Barbara. Miss Darlene says you're right, Sandy. Uh, we can't be too protective of our children. Uh, Tracy says this happened to my best friend in Cayman and it was swept under the rug. She's passed now, so can't even defend herself. It, it's sad, but I mean, once the damage is done, you understand then that, that you're trying to, you know, recover a situation. There's been a lot of abuse in Cayman. A lot of abuse against children in particular. And it continues. And I think that until we can eradicate it, and that means constant educating of your children, you need to be talking to your children, having conversations with them. 
Like that mother said with her six-year-old when she started talking to him hours and hours and, you know. But you also wonder even what was happening in her household that that child never came and said, mommy, somebody did this to me. Did he not understand what's appropriate touch and that nobody puts anything there and nobody touches you there? And, you know, like there's so many questions. So many questions. Jonathan says all they got to do is bring back the Nokia phone and tell the kids if they want a smartphone, buy one. I do believe that you have to um, control your children. I mean, I don't think that young children need all these smartphones and stuff. I understand that sometimes you want to be able to get in contact with them, but where the hell is your child that you're not in contact with them? Shouldn't they just be in school or being picked up from school? But y'all letting your children roam all over the place. And then you got to be pinging them to find out exactly where they are. I'm like, huh? Eight, nine years old. You don't know where your children are at? Well, what? what? <sighs> I don't know. Alejandra says um, that sometimes kids are watching stuff and they don't understand. It just looks fun to them or sexually molesting themselves. You hear people watching these children do it to themselves. And I don't know any individual myself, but I hear about some people, some people's stories. Uh, Al says, let kids be kids. It's the adults you need to, to tell to stop abusing the kids. Well, Al, this is really, really important for you to understand that kids also abuse other children. There have been some real examples of this. So, I mean, you can't swear for anybody is my point. And you don't know what kind of environment kids are necessarily growing up in. I mean, I don't know what predisposes a child to this. Oftentimes when the things that research has shown and that we do know as they themselves were often victims. So you, you look at where they're coming from and what has been done to them, but it's not all the time. Some children are just predators. You know, they're not necessarily being abused. That's just who they are. And so that's why I think it's interesting. Like I said, I've had this discussion with political leaders in this country when they dismiss it because they say that, oh, it's just a child. And I'm like, do you, have you studied child psychology? Have you spoken to a child psychologist? Do you understand anything about these children? What do you mean it's just a child? If he's 12, 13, 14 years old, and he's molesting a six or seven-year-old, you think he doesn't understand what he's doing because he's just a child? RJAJ says you're hitting it right on the nail. You know, as adults, we need to educate ourselves because I think we're dealing with situations or situations are in our, you know, circle, in our bubble that we don't even understand. We don't even know what's going on. You know, we need to be hypervigilant with our children. We need to be having conversations with them, talking with them. You know, not just how was your day, but appropriate touch, non-appropriate touch. If somebody's giving your child stuff and trying to groom them, you need to know that to get ahead of it. Why is this person always gifting your child stuff? You know, why is the coach always singling out your daughter? Mm-hmm. 
Nip it in the bud. Mm-mm. No, honey child. Listen to me. Coach, don't even. Listen. Just this week, my daughter, she's only six years old, expressed to me that she's not comfortable having a male swim coach. You know, they do different activities and one of her coaches for swimming is a male. And I emailed and said, please, Gianna has said she does not want a male helping her during swimming time. She's not comfortable. She's only ever had female swim teachers. The child has, has expressed that and I expect it to be acted upon. No questions asked. And if a female is not available, then she'll sit out swimming. Simple as that. Listen to your children. If something makes them uncomfortable. Now, I know she likes to come up with excuses for swimming, but I also know that she's not complaining about the female. She just says she does not, she's not comfortable. A six-year-old says to you, and, I, and I'm sure this teacher, this male, hasn't done anything. She's just never had a male teacher before. But if she expresses to me, I'm not comfortable with a male teacher. I need to take that on board as her mother and say, okay, I hear you. And this will be dealt with. Simple as that. I don't need to make her feel any way about it. She's expressed a feeling. You need to allow your children to express themselves. Don't be yelling and screaming at them, calling them names, dismissing their feelings. Listen to your children. When your children understand that they are valued and that they have a voice, right? And they can come to you with anything. Believe me, in the times when you need to, them to come to you, they are more likely to do so if they have always felt that they're in a safe space and can properly do so without judgment or castigation of any kind, right? We all grew up in Caribbean homes. Children are meant to be seen and not heard. That's what your parents told you, yes? Get rid of that bad parenting advice. Okay? Children should be heard. They have a voice. If they're hurting, if they're upset, listen to them. Allow them to express themselves. There's a respectful way to do it. And, you know, if adults are speaking, you have to say, excuse me. You have to remember your manners. Yes, there's a way to do it. But I would never tell my child, you can't share something with me or to shut up or I don't want to hear this. No, 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 no. In fact, one time we were having a conversation. According to Gigi, everything happened when she was four years old. She's like, remember when I was four? Everything happened when she was four. I guess that's when she started to really have some solid memories. And uh, just different parenting style. You know, Marla and I were at the dining room table and she kind of jumped in. He's like, um, basically told her to be quiet. I said, no, 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 X, pump the brakes on that mentality, sir. Nope. You can tell her, you know, mom and dad are talking. You need to wait. And then you can say, excuse me, or, you know, there's a way for her to enter conversation but you don't tell the child that she can't talk. No, 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 no. She can talk. She just has to do it the right way. And, you know, again, my husband's from the Caribbean. 
So um, sometimes I have to have certain conversations like this is why we need to adopt this method of parenting. This is why we need to do this. Thank God he's not an ignorant person. He's willing to listen and learn. That's the space I think that we all need to be in. We don't, we don't know what we don't know sometimes, but you can listen and learn quite a bit. Good morning, Miss Barbara. Uh, Darlene says, good for you and Gigi. Yes, honey child. I, I emailed right away on Friday um, about that situation. Gabby says, my daughter went to track camp and the coach said I should let her join their track club. And my fiance, who's not her dad, was like, hell no. You don't trust no coach. He's seen too much when he was in high school in Jamaica. Even these camps, honey child, do they allow parents to attend the camp? Because I'm going to be there as camp parent. I'll be like, I'll come as a chaperone because <laughs> I need to keep an eye on the situation. Now, some of you have said, um, you little brat says separating them by gender isn't necessarily a solution. Because um, Alejandro was saying that the bus warden used to make the boys sit on one side and the girls sit on one side. And so that there was no mixing. But that wouldn't have saved this little boy because this was boy and boy action, honey child. So little brat says, you little brat says, yeah, it might not be a solution because a lot of times the girls are sexually assaulting girls and boys sexually assaulting boys too. Maybe it was a case of the school bully and all the kids were afraid. Entirely possible. Who knows? It's sad. Um, Carlos says, if bus drivers in Cayman were interviewed, You'd be surprised at what takes place in some of these buses. Lord Jesus. Um, I think we need cameras on buses, please. Can somebody look into that? Mm -mm. Everton says these things do not just happen in the United States alone, buddy. It happened a lot in other places, but you just don't hear about it. Hmm. And, you know, again, because of the way that, you know, our cultures are, I mean, that mother gets in front of a camera and says that my six-year-old was molested. Here in Cayman, y'all would be hiding. Oh, no, I can't tell nobody that my child was molested. And when you hide, all you do is protect perpetrators. That's all you do. She called a press conference. I want other parents to know this because maybe her little six-year-old was not the only victim. Now they got to go through one whole heck of footage. But now this gives other parents an opportunity to have a conversation with their children. And say, you know, if you were on that bus, did you see anything? Did you hear anything? A full investigation needs to be launched. So here they are having a press conference demanding answers. In Cayman, y'all would be trying to convince your kids not to talk about it. That's the backward mindness that we're still dealing with in this jurisdiction, I'm afraid to tell y'all. Lulu says the baggers at Fosters are very respectful. Those young people make me so proud. Thank you. Uh, R.D. says the hypocrisy of these environmentalists who eat steak every Thursday night, the meat industry is the biggest environmental hazard. So. Dion says, I've been traveling the Savannah to Georgetown, vice versa, for more than 10 years now. Traffic has been horrible and becoming really annoying to business owners as well. Something has to be done, definitely. Uh, this was discussed strongly prior to COVID hitting us. Um, one of the solutions, folks, that we're going to have to put on the table is to cut down on the number of vehicles here. With a population where 50% are imported workers, workers practically, 
maybe it's time that we start to look at what workers have access to vehicle. I know this is not going to be popular. Believe me you. However, you can't really implement that how, until you have a proper bus and transport system. So these things go hand in hand. You can't tell people they can't get a car and then expect that they're going to be showing up to work on time because everybody's going to be getting fired when you have no decent transport system. So this morning, um, good morning, Soka. She says, Finland has the most amazing school system and children are rated amongst the top scholars in the world. Um, Lulu says, I agree with remote working for those jobs that could accommodate it. You know, people got a taste during COVID of, of exactly how it would work. And some some businesses still allow it. I think Maple, somebody was saying to me, they still allow you like a couple days a week to work remotely, depending on, on what your job is. Um, Alejandro says, we definitely should teach our children that responsible adults don't keep secrets from other responsible adults. Yes, the, the whole concept of keeping secrets, there's really no reason for that. Never encourage your children to keep a secret about anything. Because that's how it starts. Um, so listen, the, the Minister of Transport and Tourism is having a press conference this morning. Uh, someone's asking about a shift system. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. I think that could help. But, you know, a lot of industries are going to, especially offices, are going to say, no, I can only do... 8.30 to 5 kind of thing, right? But I do think that there are businesses that can do shifts. But I suppose hotels already do shifts, don't they? The nature of what they do, they do shift, shift work. Not everybody in the hotel industry goes in at 8.30 in the mornings. So the minister, Kenneth Bryan, is having a press conference this morning. Apparently, they're reopening the Panama route. Um, I have questions. Let's take this caller. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Questions? Hi, good, hi, good morning. Good morning. Just turn down your radio for me, please. Oh, sure. Sorry, here. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Just turn down your radio for me. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. From 2004, when Hurricane Gilbert, when Hurricane Ivan hit this place, mm -hmm. there were so many cars that were being abandoned from, um, from the four-way stop straight to the airport. People were getting out of the car, leaving their car, uh, the key in their cars. They never had any law in place to say that they couldn't bring these cars back on the road. Mm -hmm. After Hurricane Ivan, they brought hundreds and probably thousands of cars back on the road that were were not um, road worthy. And there's no law and the government, I mentioned this from the previous governments from 2004, mm -hmm. nobody took any heed of it. It's unfortunate there's, we got, it's a possibility we could have another hurricane and then what? You got all these cars that were, were um, were um, literally destroyed, but people rebuilt them. You remember all, all those cars were blowing up, um, catching a fire in, in areas around Cayman? That is the reason why they need to pass the law 
If the insurance company pay you for the car, take it and have it recycled. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact that one guy that was staying at my wife's apartment, he wanted this car. And guess what? He 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 was a mechanic, so he went in and did, he was in a um, we call him uh, the insurance adjuster, and he got the car. Mm-hmm. He put the car back on the road. That car was in tip top shape because I drove it. If you want to sell it to me, mm-hmm. and 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 they never had to do any work at all. But that shows you the type of person that insurance companies were putting as a, an adjuster they could anybody could rent to them and say well here's two hundred dollars you know I want I want this car uh, it's a new car you just say that the car is 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 no more good and until the authorities take the bull by the horns and say listen we are going to pass a law where if the insurance companies said no more these cars are no more good take them to the dump we are going to have continue to have a lot of problems because a lot of these a lot of these cars are still on the road mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but nobody you know i'm not an expert in and 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 anything but good common sense is hard to find these days mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, that's my take on that. Thank on, you, my dear. Uh, I appreciate that. Because if, if the law isn't passed, Sandy, these cars were flooded out. You think they're safe? I wouldn't mm-hmm. buy a car that was flooded out mm-hmm. and try to fix it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it boils down to the government of the day. Yeah. Passing the law and making sure that these cars does not come back on the road. It's going to happen again. If we have another bad hurricane and all these flooded cars, we had thousands of cars. It wasn't one place on the airport road down almost to the gas station. Mm-hmm. That wasn't on the side of the road. You could find keys and you could drive them. Yeah, and I would did anything about it. And I mean, the situation just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. You know, (laughs) but but this is a basic philosophy that people need to understand. Nothing resolves itself. Problems don't just disappear on their own if they're not adequately addressed. Governments need to learn that. (laughs) You know, it's like they get elected and they claim they have all these solutions and ideas. And then if you don't do anything, it's like, how is the traffic problem going to be addressed? It's not. Thank you, Carl. I appreciate it. Okay. Have a good day. 936. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, my Bye. dear. 9336 Bobo is the telephone number. You're free to call in. You can also call us on WhatsApp. In case you didn't get no credit, honey child, you can still be part of the conversation because WhatsApp works. Um, not on that number because <laughs> I'll tell you how it works. The WhatsApp works, um, actually, no, no, you can still call WhatsApp on that number. I'm, I'm, what am I talking? I'm talking foolishness. You can still call WhatsApp on that number as well. And then some of you, oh, I got a crook in my neck right here. Oh, that massager, child. 
I'm going to be using that machine gun, massage gun after the show. Um, yes, you can definitely call in on WhatsApp on that number. And you can call my personal number if you have me on WhatsApp as well. But listen, this traffic situation is is, is serious. We, we need to do something. And I agree there's some solutions coming in here. Um, who was that that said um, that like maybe the first couple hours on a work permit don't allow um, people to have one. So maybe like four or five years in, then they can get a car if they're going to be here that long. I think there should be justifications because there are some people that need it, need a vehicle as part of their job, right? So even, even domestic workers, like they might be responsible for picking kids up and for running errands and stuff like that. They can't do that on a bus system, child. You can't be in a bus with a bag of groceries and different stuff. So there has to be some element of, um, you know, how it's going to work. And of course, there's always exceptions. But, you know, we, I don't know. So we, we need some drastic, we need something drastic. And I think that, again, you can't expect to put a, a drastic measure in place as it relates even to work permit holders if there's no viable option for them. So RJAJ says, think of it this way. If you can spend hours with your nails, hair, and other likes and hobbies, you can spend time with your kids. And that's the reality of it. Like it or not, instead of having two or three jobs, consider getting one good job or making sacrifices and cutbacks of quality time with your kids. Absolutely. Because child, even with one child, you know, it's the day goes by so quickly. You know, you come home from school. You try to get them sorted out with dinner. Maybe they have a little bit of homework, whatever. It's bedtime in tutus. And some of y'all won't be going out partying and living the good life. And it's just like, you can't, you need to have some balance. I'm not saying that you can only spend time with your kids. You need to make sure that you have some form of entertainment, I suppose. But at the end of the day as well, your kids come first once you start having children. And some of y'all have too many children. There's only 24 hours in a day. When you have five, six kids, how are you going to spend individual time with each one, each one of those? I don't know how y'all do it. It's always group time, I guess. RD says, um, a key point to remember here is that our population growth is inorganic, and that's the problem. I'd like to know what you mean by that, though, when you say inorganic. What exactly does that mean? Mm. Everton um, says, I know this is not part of the conversation this morning. But imagine what's going on in Syria. The, the death toll is now over 30,000 people dead from this earthquake. Oh, my God. I was catching up on it. And the last I read, it was like 20, over 25. So now it's gone up to over 30. Oh, my God. This is shocking, actually. Um. Wow. Y'all saw the one, the baby, who was still attached to the umbilical cord because literally the mother had the baby during the earthquake, uh, I guess before she died. And this baby came out alive and, you know, healthy and, you know, the entire family though is dead. All the siblings, the mother, like I think it was four family members. So there must be two siblings and the mom and dad gone. It is heartbreaking. And thank you Everton for reminding us about it because um, the images and stuff have been devastating. My God. Um, I think up to a couple of days ago, they were still finding some people. 
alive, but hope dwindles with every day, obviously, that, that passes. I want to show you all a picture here that came up. So sad. So this is a man in the rubbles. And of course, their government isn't doing the best job in the world. I can tell you. Um, they have lost some astonishing loss of life. Um, some of their most beautiful structures, which, you know, you can't ever compare that to life, but these things are historical structures, have been devastated um, by this as well. It, it's going to be, I don't even know what to say in terms of the devastation, really, but this country was already having, um, you know, so many issues that this was, will only compound the situation and compound life. But let's get a little bit of reality check here so we can understand the magnitude of what this earthquake has done to the poor people of Syria. So here's a guy in this picture. You notice what he's doing? He's sitting there holding somebody's hand in the rubbles. So I guess they can't get that person out. And I don't know if the person's alive. It looks like they're they're also holding on. So maybe they're still alive. I'm not really sure. But he's sitting there holding their hand. I guess waiting for help to come, waiting for rescuers to get there. Oh my God. Can you believe it? It's crazy. <sighs> really, really sad. Mm -mm. Let me remove some files here so I can show you a few more of these. So this is what those poor people are having to, um, to endure now. Wow. It's quite sad. Some before and after shots of the devastation of the earthquake. Destroyed businesses. Look at this aerial view. Whoa. All that stuff is like flattened. Right? This is a citadel of Alipe, Alipo, before and after. Uh, before and after of a business center there, the Suzuki dealership and some other things. Psh, the building just collapsed in. Mm, mm, mm. Before and after of this mosque. Psh, it was a beautiful structure before. Now look at it. Mm, mm, mm. Over 30,000 people. My God. It's, uh, it, it is pretty shocking. Um, it's just so sad. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Good morning, Sandra. Not wanting to change your topic this morning, but those pictures that are you showing with that mosque mm -hmm. and that, um, the Sawong and Suzuki dealership, that's actually in Antakya Hatay. That is in Turkey and not Syria. Oh, yes. Well, both got impacted okay. by this and earthquake. And then the one with yes. the gentleman that's in Gyasantik, that's his daughter. She was 13 years old. Oh, my God. Did she make it? Do you know? No, she died. Oh. She died, yeah. That's why he was so shocked. Oh, my God. Because she wasn't at home. 
he was basically at work and when he called his wife and asked his wife oh, no. um, where was the girls and he said the older one was okay the younger one had stayed by his mother house oh, no. so the building that collapsed was actually his mother house oh my god and she died her grandmother died in two Oh, jeez. Thank you for putting some context to that. You're welcome. So sad. Oh, my gosh. Thank yeah, it's you. sad. So Turkey has had, I think it's turned 1,000 now, just Turkey alone. Just Turkey Syria alone? Has, <gasps> yes, just Turkey alone has had 31,000 dead now. It is something plus 1,000. Uh-huh. Syria, from Saturday, they actually called off the search and rescue. Mm. So um, they didn't have the help. And it's not that no one wanted to help. It's because of everything else that is going on mm-hmm. in Syria. But they did help people from Bulgaria, Romania, the mm-hmm. UK, the US, on the border with containers and supplies. And the Syrian just won't let them in. Obviously, it's the government, right? Oh, it's my gosh. People. It's been five years that the government won't those people dead. So obviously, you're not going to be able to help them. It's really sad. Terrific. Oh my God. Thank you for the additional information. Yes, it's. All right. Thank you. Wow. And I'm sure that there are people here from Syria and Turkey who, you know, would have loved ones. Um, Here's some more pictures. And thanks to that caller for reminding us that it's not just Syria that was impacted by this, it was Turkey and Syria. But. Oh, the devastation is shocking. Oh, I was kind of hoping that um, whoever's hand he was holding made it, you know, his own daughter. My God. Oh, my God. Entire families, folks, have been wiped out by um, this devastating earthquake. Uh, just reading here, now they're saying over 36,000 dead from this quake in Turkey and Syria. Turkish government arrest contractors connected to buildings that collapsed in the quake, really. So they've arrested a number of Turkish contractors and detained many after allegedly being connected to quake construction in Turkey over the weekend and Monday after two major earthquakes struck Turkey on February the 6th. So what are they saying? That all earthquake-affected places, the public's prosecutor launched judicial investigations, huh? Are they got time for that right now? Lord, okay. (laughs) I mean, they're identifying the names and people responsible for these buildings? Okay. So they're trying to say that the construction of these is a problem, but uh, I would think there'd be more pressing needs than that right now. Hmm. Interesting. The judicial process against 32 people have begun. That's kind of, okay. Um, right. So the UN has moved in to help with aid from government controlled Syria to rebel held Northwest. Of course, Syria is a real problem because of the, um, instability of what's going on there because certain areas are controlled by rebels and so that makes it much more difficult i guess for people to be able to get the assistance that they need so i'm just showing a few more pictures here of the absolute devastation you know older buildings might not have the um the flexibility 
And, you know, they might've been done to different coding and stuff like that, but my gosh, looks like some of these just toppled right over and just collapsed in on themselves. So a total of 52 UN trucks carrying aid have entered the Northwest since Thursday into Syria. Uh, apparently that's the only authorized border crossing from Turkey. Wow. You see this political instability um, makes it really, really hard for the people to get the help that they need. So 7.8 magnitude earthquake, catastrophic, at least 36,217 people have been killed. 31,643 confirmed dead in Turkey alone and Syria's death toll of 4,574 includes more than 3,100 in opposition-held regions and 1,414 deaths in government-controlled areas. 41 people freed and rescued from under the rubble in Turkey between the 141st and 163rd hour. Since the quake hit, rescuers continue to search the rubble, but authorities have warned that the chances of finding survivors is becoming increasingly slim. Um, it goes on to say that the UN is attempting to correct failures in Syria. Senior UN officials have promised to turn the organization's focus to the people of the Northwest um, Syria, which are feeling extremely abandoned and the delivery of urgent supplies to the area have been complicated by a long running civil war between opposition forces and the Syrian government. Mm, mm, mm. You know, whenever you have a bad government, it's always compounded when crises hit. I can tell you that. Um, whether it's an earthquake, hurricanes, you know, those types of things um, can be very, very devastating. But apparently Turkey is arresting property developers for what they say is negligence over some of these buildings. So there was a German quake rescue team that was also on the ground there. The US I know was sending people, the UK, and no doubt other people. There's a beloved Mexican rescue dog that was there that unfortunately passed away. Um, my God. Oh, we'll definitely um, continue to keep the people of Turkey and Syria in our thoughts and prayers. And like I said, I'm sure there's a local um, Syrian and Turkish community who must, um, you know, be devastated by this. And, um, you know, if there's anything that we can do to help, by all means, uh, please let us know. All right, folks, um, I was saying that the, the government is having a press conference at 10 o'clock. I believe they're live streaming it, so we'll pull it through on the program so you can listen to that live. Uh, this is on the reopening of the Panama route. I can't speak much on it because I don't have any figures to, to say, you know, what, what the demand is and the justification is for reopening Panama. Somebody said they'd be better off putting on more New York flights. Um, you know, we have a full fleet now of it. What is it? Four of the 787-8, the MAX-8 um, vessels. And um, I guess we'll hear what the minister has to say. It is striking, however, 
to me, and I saw Ms. Sue commented on this as well, that we've not heard from the minister and what we're all waiting to hear from the minister on. But yet he's having a press conference about a jet going to Panama. Anybody else thinks that this is weird and bizarre and kind of doesn't make any sense? Am I the only one who's like, huh? That's what you think is the most compelling concern that you need to have a press conference on from your ministry right now? Honey, chill. you need to keep up with the topics that matter to the people that came to islands. Okay, you restarting Panama. Big whoop. Who gives a sh- <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, do we really care? What we care about is some of the transportation issues. Miss Cayman would even have been a better press conference. The port would have been a better press conference they've had. I'm just saying. It seems a little bit illogical. And you know what's going to happen, right? Y'all, y'all see this coming a mile away. I do have to wonder sometimes who makes these types of decisions. I'm assuming it's the minister. I don't really know if he gets advice from other people. But this is, this is illogical to me. Because I can see now. Here's Wendy Ledger. Wendy, are you listening this morning? She's going to stand up and say, well, minister... Um, thank, thank, thanks very much for telling us, you know, about the Panama Rectory. But, you know, the elephant in the room is is actually Miss Cayman, not Panama. <laughs> what, what have you got to say about that? We're still waiting on a statement from months ago when you claim that you're going to make a statement. And, you know, quite frankly, Minister, we haven't heard from you. That's what we want to know about. Why have y'all not stripped her of her crown yet? Because apparently over the weekend, did y'all see she was trying to, <laughs> this poor child, oh, God. I kind of feel like I need to put her over my knee, honey, chill, if I believed in, in that sort of thing. But I suspect that I'm not going to help her because violence begets violence. And obviously, she's a very violent young lady. But, you know, um, I she was she was trying to take a jab at me, talking about, oh, well, she has a crown in her closet and I don't. And I'm like, uh, am I supposed to be offended by that? Because that's kind of laughable, actually. You have a a crown in your closet because, dear, Lee Dacre's afraid to come and take it from you. And so is the minister because you're probably going to beat them up when they do take it. I'm just saying. Let's be quite frank and honest here, girl. People tiptoeing around you and afraid of you. We're not afraid of you. You have a crown in your closet. And that makes you who? You've also assaulted three police officers at the age of 25. I'm double your age, girlfriend. And I have never laid hands on a police officer or anybody else for that matter in my life. Those are the things that should matter to you in your little 24 years. Not that you have a crown in your closet. You see see how our young people are so misguided? She's trying to step up to me. Twice her age with an education and degrees that she'll probably never get if she continues on this path, I hate to say it, right? I try to respect people. I don't hit people. I don't touch people. I don't go around fighting. But the the, the best thing that she can do to, to try and, I guess, in her opinion, bring me down a notch or, you know, say, oh, I'm better than you, is I have a crown in my closet. Girl, what is wrong with you? Having a crown in your closet that you can put on top of the weave, when your insides is is angry and belligerent, as the judge said, is nothing to brag about. I wouldn't even say that if I were you, because that makes you look so unintelligent. 
but it demonstrates exactly where her focus is. It's all about this outward appearance. And I've got a crown in my closet because the winning of that was so important to her. That's why both her and her sister had to run twice. They probably run five times if they didn't win the second time around. Because some people are so, their um, entire life is caught up in a title, a crown. Girl, look on the inside because that crown don't mean nothing when you are about to get convicted. Not convicted, you've already been convicted now. And by the way, now all the other things that we told you about that she had done, those convictions, they're now convictions as well. So she has now been convicted of assaulting police officers, three separate police officers. Three. That is very serious, you know? I am waiting to see what the magistrate will do at sentencing. Because when you have such a disrespect, it's bad enough you're going around and beating up boyfriends and whatever. But, you know, y'all can excuse that all you want. Oh, well, that one was cheating on her. and It's always somebody else's fault. And this is part of the problem. Too many of you continue to excuse her bad behavior. But when you beat up police officers, you think the court is going to be looking lightly on that? And you know, over the weekend, she still had the audacity to talk about how um, there's two sides to the story. I'm like, girl, the judge heard your side. And the judge said she did not b- believe a single word that came out of your mouth. She gave no credence to anything that you had to say, including your mental health and brain tumor story. Then she went on. Let me tell you how nasty this little Tiffany Conley froppish girl is, you know? The judge said to us, there was things that she brought up in her defense that we can't tell you all about. There's a gag order about those specific things. Allegations, unfounded, unproven. The judge didn't believe them either, but we can't mention them as media. We have not named the victim. We don't normally name victims unless the victim themselves say that they don't mind being named. And we haven't named this man. I mean, he must be so embarrassed. Of course, there are people in the community who know who he is, him and his son, but you understand there's a sense of embarrassment that comes with, you were beat up by Miss Kim Ann? You were vic- victimized by this woman? But here's the thing that y'all don't know. Her victimization of this family and of this man doesn't stop with assault that night. There's a lot that the court hasn't dealt with, including her constant messages to this man and his son and his family. Y'all don't know all of that that would show her true colors. But... Tiffany, you better be careful, girl, because you're barking at this, the wrong tree with me because I will get every one of those messages and show the people that came in islands. You're talking about you have mental health. This will dispel all of that. Y'all will see the little entitled, froppish child that she really is and how she believes that she can operate in this world with complete immunity from any, any, any accountability. And some of you part of the reason why she feels that way. So the judge said, you know, that we have not mentioned the victims and she'd appreciate if the media continued to not do so. You know what Tiffany did on Friday? She went and put up a post, mostly directed at me about how I was sitting down waiting for her to come out of the courthouse. And so, so she took a picture of herself posing off, right? Um, 
saying about how she looked, she looked good. That was she think, child, I, I don't even want to get, listen, I don't really want to tell this young lady what I actually really think of her. Because y'all, y'all would really call me mean because for her to think that she looks good, child, without makeup, you remind me of Oprah. Let me just say that. For all the money in the world without makeup, I'm like, Oprah, how you put on the makeup, child? That's as nice as I could say it. You're not the most beautiful person in the world by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying. Natural beauty, ain't it? You put on some makeup, all right. You look half decent. I mean, they're so caught up in their in their head. So she put out this whole post about how she looks so good and this on the next. And of course, y'all know the second she puts up this foolishness, um, you guys are sending it to me. And I I laugh, you know, because it is a little bit laughable. Um, so she actually had th- th- this is how this young lady thinks, right? And this shows you when something uh I mean, I could see why some of y'all actually do think she's crazy. I can see because uh, the behavior is so incredibly over the top. But it's not crazy in the sense that, you know, she's a narcissist. That's what it is. And sometimes narcissists, they operate in a spectacular way that really makes you question everything about them. So she had a um, a picture. While she's... After she the guilty verdict, this is what she had time for. She had time for someone taking a picture. I guess it would have been her sister or her mom, probably the other sister, Annika, take a picture of her. And then she put up this thing about fun facts. And she writes this long thing about, oh, there's two sides to the story. Girl, there's no longer two sides to the story. The judge, the judge and anybody else who cared to show up heard your side and your side was so unbelievable. It didn't go nowhere. And now you've been convicted. But this is what she has time for, to take a picture so that then she can run to social media and put this up. This is crazy, you know. It it is a little bit crazy, but like I said, it's narcissistic crazy, not mental health crazy, if that makes any sense. So then she takes a picture of uh, me and Andrell downstairs, and Wendy Ledger was also there, about how we were, um, well, she, she targeted me. Oh, I was downstairs waiting for her. Yes, child, it wasn't just me. It was me, Andrell, and Wendy. All three media houses that showed up that day. I think radio came on, came late, and then April left early. So she, you know, she not got to, no time for that kind of thing. They run very bare-bone business over at Radio Came On. So um, April left, but it was a three media houses. But of course, she wants it to look like it's just me sitting there waiting for her. And this is what we do, Tiffany. You're nobody special. You think we're waiting on you because you're somebody special and you have a crown in your closet. No, Tiffany. We do this every single day with criminals. And that's what you are now. You're a criminal with multiple convictions. So you can talk about a closet, a crown in your closet, honey child. But I don't have multiple convictions to my name. I have a singular conviction, which I'm appealing. You have multiple convictions for assaulting multiple people. Let's be very, very clear. Let's compare the truth now, right? So this is me, Andrell, and right around the corner, standing there talking to us was Wendy Ledger. So she's sitting down taking a picture of me. Mind you, this is a seamless, froppish girl that is so scared to come down and have her picture taken now that she's a criminal. Isn't that shocking? 
but you can take a pose picture and then try to put up talking about 10 fun facts. OCM says she's giving classless and distasteful. Let me tell you how classless and distasteful she actually is. In this post, and I'm not going to show you all this part of it. I think I might have actually forgotten to crop it on social media, but my apologies. In this post, you know what Tiffany did? She actually tagged. Well, you know, they try to attack. Oh, this is lack of true journalism that came down. So you're trying to say that there is Compass, not true journalism, CNS, not true journalism, and neither is um, CMR. Yeah, and, and you would know true journalism because you've worked in it before and you have all the answers to everything. I know. Someone who claims to be a news reporter sat and waited to take a picture. I mean, we all did. We all did. And your point would be, that's what we do. Look at the number of times that both CMR, Compass, all of us get footage as they're hauling criminals off into the paddy wagon police car to be taken to Northwood or whatever. How do you think we get that footage? We sit and we wait. The only difference is you and McKeeva Bush, listen very carefully, Caymanians and non-Caymanians who listen to the program. They're the only two people who I have made the observation of who wouldn't come out after their court case. McKeeva Bush and Tiffany Conley. I mean, are we putting them in the same category? <laughs> well, they're the only ones who had the gall to commit offenses and not walk out with your head hung high. You're a queen, honey child. You got a, a crown in your closet. What are you ashamed of? Now that you've been convicted, walk out there with your head hung high. You and your mother, instead of having sending your mom in one direction as a decoy and you and your sister running out the opposite direction, girl, you're so silly. But it says a lot about your character and who you are. She tagged the victim in this post of hers, right? Where she's trying to attack me. She did a whole video and whatever. And then she tagged the victims in the post, right? There's a crown in my closet, not yours. Poor her. Wow. Girl. Uh-uh. And then she has the audacity to call on God because, you know, all these big time sinners, they love the Lord's name. She said, if you think I got hands, you haven't met my God. Well, I would love to know what God you serve in, honey child. He must be the God of, of no accountability. He must be the God of you never do anything right, but yet you're deserving of forgiveness. Please go read your Bible because I don't know what God you claim to be serving, but it can't be the same God based on the, the good book of um, King James Version. Because that's the version that I have. So I don't know what you're reading. What does God say about redemption? You have to ask for forgiveness. You have to admit you're wrong and you've done none of that. No one has held you accountable ever in your entire life. And you believe that that's going to continue to happen. So she named the victims in her post. The victims were on Friday frantically contacting the prosecutor's office. Because hear this now. The judge had asked during the end of the proceedings if they needed a protection order, right? And the prosecution said, oh, I don't think so. Because everybody look at Tiffany and think, oh, she can't hurt a fly. Y'all don't judge that book by its cover because you're going to end up beaten down into the ground. So they said, no, we don't think we need a protection order. 
Maybe you don't think you need a protection order because you haven't seen all the messages and other harassing things that she continues to do and has done to this family. The victim had to contact the prosecution on Friday because of Tiffany's post. Now they're seeking to get a protection order against Tiffany. You can imagine. She deliberately ignored the judge when the judge said, do not name the victims. Yes, she was talking to media, but Tiffany was there and heard that and decided to hashtag the victim's name in her post. Listen, the prosecution needs a screenshot of that to go into the victim's impact statement and to present that to the judge to show that even after this young lady has been convicted within hours of that conviction, she demonstrates how defiant she is going to be towards the law and the instructions of a judge. She don't care, Magistrate Philippa McFarlane, what you had to say because she has a crown in her closet and you do not. She has a crown in her closet and I do not. And that's who she is. Those are her true colors. Right? Putting this family through all of this and then you have the audacity to publicly name this man. They said that they knew who to frighten. I can tell you what. That is a very, very true statement. Dupe really know who to frighten. I am not by nature a violent person. I believe in talking, talking out, honey child. But it does strike me that Tiffany has just not rolled up on the right person yet. I mean, honestly. She needs a strong message, and I hope that the court is prepared to give her a strong message. Send Tiffany's behind to jail. That is where she deserves to be. How many times you assault police before you're actually stopped by the system? You assault your mother. If you're not going to respect for your mommy to not lay hands on her, the woman who carried you for, I don't know, eight, nine months and brought you into this world, if you can beat that woman, who wouldn't you beat, girl? You think wearing a crown on your head makes you somebody? And it's sad that your mother continues to be part of the problem. You beat up your sister and here she is taking a photo of you after your court thing for you to put up on, on, on Instagram. What your sister thought you were going to do with the picture? All of them are enablers and they need to stop it. Instead of defending your bad behavior and talking foolishness, they need to get a hold of themselves and set some boundaries with you because girl, you have nothing called boundaries. It is sad. Wow. Mm-mm-mm. I don't know what to say. She is really, really something else. Naming this man. Wow. Unbelievable. No, sir. Um, I don't know. Everton says, tell her that you're a queen <laughs> and you don't need a crown. The crown is just temporary and it will pass on to the next person. But your crown is there forever. Boy, Everton. You know, we like to use words like queens and whatever. And I, I totally get what, you, what you're saying. But you're a queen when you get up every day and you decide to do the right thing by people. That's what makes you a queen. You know what I'm saying? That you don't abuse people. You don't take advantage of people. And like I said to someone last night, 
I don't stand here and say, oh, I'm a perfect person. I've never hurt anyone. I've never done stuff. I have. But I have learned and I have moved past the stupidity of that behavior. And I live in my truth and I ask for forgiveness for anyone that I've done anything to and that I've hurt and that I've offended. And I know that as I stand today, I'm a better person, right? This young lady has demonstrated zero growth, nothing. Nothing she has done has made her change her behavior in any way, shape or form. And in fact, the contrary has happened. Her behavior has gotten worse over time because she remains unchecked. That's what's going on. Her behavior has gotten worse. Because nobody, all these young people like, oh, girl, you don't pay Miss Sandy no mind. She's a hater. This not. I'm like, are y'all listening to yourselves? What do I have to hate on this young lady about? She not got nothing that I want. The anger. Y'all think I want to be that angry in life? Jesus. No. That's, that's, oh, that negativity. You, do you think I want to be an MMA fighter without a real title? No, I'm not into that. She has nothing for me to be jealous about, for me to target her, for me to be upset about. That's a stupid narrative for y'all to not see the truth. Lord Jesus, take the wheel. RJAJ says she hasn't bucked up on the right one yet, and she will if she continues to operate the way she does. I mean, it would only be a matter of time, you know? And then, of course, what we're going to do is, once she lay her hands on one of these... Um, other Caribbean people who would knock her out, then all of a sudden we're going to be like, oh, he, he, what did he do with it? Like I said, Duffy know who to frighten and time longer than rope. And one of these days her rope got, got run out. She's going to roll up on the wrong person. And that person's going to be someone who is not going to allow her to abuse them as she has done to all these other guys. Every one of these guys, kudos to them for just trying to fend her off, trying to hold her hand. Because when you hear this man talking about how he was holding her and she was, even when she didn't have access to her hand, she was biting him with her teeth on the chest, headbutting him. Oh my God. Have you ever been headbutted before? Let me tell you something. I was headbutted by my baby, my, my daughter, right? Not on purpose, but she kind of, and I had an instant headache and she didn't even flinch. I was like, girl... You got that tough coconut head from Jamaica, what? No, sir. Hey, Bobo. Immediately, I had an instant headache. I was like, oh my God, you can give somebody a concussion if you hit them hard enough in the head, you know? Instant headache. I was like, oh, my head. And she just looked at me smiling. I was like, oh no, girl. You going into some serious time out here today. You do not do that to mommy. And she's like, oh, what? You got to teach them early, honey, Jill. Because then they try like Tiffany as an adult headbutting people. That hurts. Kicking people in the groin? Well, I've never been kicked there and I'm also not a man. But I can imagine that's probably one of the most painful things to hit people in the family jewels. What? Oh, my God. Holding her hands and she's still kicking and biting and headbutting you? No, sir. Mm-mm-mm. <sighs> Lulu says, 
Um, how we get talking about this warmed over soup issue again. Look, I want to talk about the pregnant lady who was suspended 100 feet in the air, girl, Rihanna, and kept her nerves while remembering her lines and choreographed moves. Pregnant ladies rock Caribbean women to the world. Can I tell you when I saw her suspended, I was like, oh my God, she trusts that suspension system. <laughs> I, as a pregnant woman, uh, no. <laughs> but congratulations to Rihanna. She's pregnant, baby number two. Um, RJAJ says if it was somebody else, uh, they would have already been in prison. I agree with that. And I think her time is up now. Lord Jesus. Mm -mm. Um, Jonathan says, how many followers does she have? No clue. Um, Lizette says the crown caused her tumor in her head. By the way, I have a crown in my closet too. <laughs> oh, were you a pageant queen? Or is that some, some other kind of crown? Oh, my Lord. Mm -mm. She peeking at you, Sandy. You should look up and record. <laughs> you can imagine. No, man. No shame. That's right, Gabby. She ain't got none of that. I mean, I have not seen. You know who she reminds me of, though? I was saying this to someone the other day. It's it's a little interesting to see women exhibit these characteristics because I'm used to seeing it in men a lot. Like, there's a lot of male narcissists out there. Trust me. But women do it very differently. And she reminds me of Eve High Voltage. When you look at the two, mm -hmm. they're very much all about just the outward appearance, trying to impress people with, oh, the fake hair and, and I have a crown and all this stuff. But on the inside, one's a robber, a thief, a liar, a user of government resources. Next one is abusive, no respect for authority, no respect for anybody, not even just authority. Beats up police, beats up ex-boyfriends, damages property, you know, goes ballistics, goes berserk, temper issues. They should put them in the same cell together when they send her behind to jail. Anyway, the minister obviously has no intentions of addressing the people about this because his press conference this morning is about the Panama route. So that's going to be starting in a few minutes. Um, Chuck, let me message Chuck. Can we get a, we might need a little bit of overtime. I don't know how long he can possibly talk about um, Panama, but I bet you what, if Wendy is there, I know for a fact, Wendy is going to ask the question. Oh, by the way, somebody just sent me this. Uh, the Washington post has a story about Tiffany. So apparently Tiffany's story has been trending all over the world. And I do mean all over the world. The Caribbean islands have carried it. Jamaican observer, Washington post, Fox news, because it hit the AP wire. I'm assuming they probably picked up from the compass. I think they're the ones with the AP connection. I'm not 100% sure, but that would be logical. So the AP wire has picked it up and somebody just sent me the one this morning saying now the Washington Post has it. Listen, even Chinese news has it up. Look at this. Judge finds Miss Cayman Beauty Queen guilty of assault. Yeah, Washington Post all over the place. So we have been put on the map. They talk about tourism to Panama. Right now, we have been put on the map for all the wrong reasons. Believe me, you. Mm -mm -mm. It is shocking. Mallory says they need to lock her up. Good morning to Miss Reba. Oh, somebody sent her the Washington Post one as well. Look at that. Miss Fairbanks title says Damon. Oh, yes, honey child. Maybe that's the crown that she will be wearing next. She'll go up there and wear it with pride, I'm sure. Um, mm -hmm. 
So someone says, morning, Miss Sandra. That picture she took was the day before. I saw her at, at Bayshore Mall with the exact same clothes, was sitting at a Cafe Del Sol. No, my love. Well, I don't know what she's wearing at Bayshore Mall, but the wall, I'm going to show you all the picture again. That picture and that wall, that is the courthouse. That is the wall that's in the courthouse. So she, you're telling me she wore that same outfit the day before? Well, um, she must have run out of clothes to wear. I'm not really sure. I mean, they gave her a wardrobe and everything, so I don't know what's up with that. But no, this is the courthouse wall. This is her looking out of the courthouse. So looking down at us, apparently. Yeah, but she had, I remember seeing the blue bag in court and stuff as well. And she had on black pants that had like a um, spandex thing at the bottom that it goes underneath the foot and heels. Anyway, child, she better get used to the concept of recycling clothes because in prison, um, that's exactly what you're going to be doing, not wearing the most fashionable things. Mm -mm. What a hot mess. All right, so we're going to wait on this press conference. Let me go ahead and pull it up here now. Um, talking about Panama, y'all. All right, so give me one second. I'm going to pull this out, and uh, we will watch this together. I'll probably put some commentary in while we're at it, honey chill. Mm, minister, I'm going to pray for you because I know one thing. We got a problem come next election. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I don't know if I can fit in the news before the press conference because they're probably going to start at any second now, but we can try. Give me one second here. Let me see if I can pull up our CMR news buzz while we're at it. And then I'll watch. If the press conference starts, I'll pull in the news. I'll pull the news back out and then we'll go straight to the press conference. How's that? Okay. Give me one second. Today's the 13th. Hello, I'm Kevin Watler, and this is your CMR Daily Buzz. Here's a summary of some of Cayman's latest headlines. After media inquiries from Cayman Mall Road, His Majesty's Cayman Islands Prison Service confirmed that there are two active cases of chickenpox at the prison in Northward. Inmates were placed into lockdown to contain any further spread. According to CMR sources, the two confirmed cases are Cuban migrants. Employers applying for temporary work permits will be required to advertise these job vacancies on the Work Jobs Cayman portal prior to submission of their application. The new regulations approved by Cabinet will come into effect on March 31st. The Cayman Islands Real Estate Brokers Association has pledged $75,000 to the Acts of Random Kindness CASA Home Improvement Program. The funds will be distributed equally over three years. Their Royal Highnesses, the Earl and Countess of Wessex, is visiting the Cayman Islands from February 20th to 22nd. While in Cayman, they will be making numerous appearances. The Cayman Heart Fund hosted its inaugural Beating Hearts Breakfast on Wednesday, where attendees gathered to kick off Heart Awareness Month. Heart Awareness Month is a time to raise awareness of the importance of people's cardiovascular health.
Now for your CMR weather update, it's brought to you. Very glad that you could join us here today on our various, All right, so uh, CIG channels as I'm well not as hearing the audio here. Now today's press briefing uh, will uh, provide you with details on, on the relaunch of this. the National Airlines uh, flight. Donna's lips are moving, but I don't see any audio. Uh, Panama. We'd like to welcome our panelists, starting um, with the Honorable Kenneth Bryan, Minister for Tourism and Transport, Mr. Fabian Wern, the President the and CEO of Cayman Airways Limited, um, and Mr. Chris Bergstrom, the Deputy Chairman of the Cayman Airways Board. Okay, hold on. Also with us in studio are members of the Audio. media and senior civil servants, as well as Cayman Airways mm -hmm. officials. We'd like to kick off first by going to the Minister. You guys can hear that? Transport. Oh, why am I not hearing it? Thank you, Donna, Facebook. and good morning to everyone joining us at home. All right, give me a second. There is audio. Are people on radio hearing it? Because I'm not hearing it, and I should be hearing it. Oh, give me one second. I think it's because I have my Chrome settings. Hold on. I think I have Chrome turned off. One second, one second. Let me just fix this real quick. Because, of course, I need Support to hear this. Services. I definitely I'm need delighted to, to confirm that Cayman Airways will mess. resume its operations um, and its non-stop service audio. between Grand Cayman and Panama audio, City audio. starting on Monday, good folks. 26th of June. I mute my app this so that is the you second major launch between Grand Cayman and there we the go. major international gateway yep. in just six months. Okay. It was only just in July of last year that we were all gathered here to announce the launch of the Los Angeles route. And I'm here today, and I'm very pleased to bring you the country yet more exciting news about this new route to Panama. Um, noting that this is a resumption of service, I'd like to say a few words on why we made a decision to, to move forward with this expansion into the Latin American market at this time. Last year, I set the Department of Tourism a target of, to bring 40% of the 2019 air arrivals to our shores. I'm very pleased to confirm that the Department of Tourism has surpassed that target, as well as their stretchable target by an impressive 11%, meaning that we ended the year with 84,000 more people than we targeted. Although sailover arrivals are trending upwards, our tourism industry continues to be in a phase of recovery. All right, give and me one second here, folks. I'm getting feedback that you guys are hearing feedback, so let me just try to do this again. Um, let me try it one more time. Arrivals, visitations to return to the pre-pandemic levels. Notwithstanding, for 2023, I've set the target of 70% of the 2019 visitor numbers, which equates to approximately 351,000 visitors. I'm hopeful that the new Grand Cayman <coughs> to Panama City route will be a significant contributor to that achievement of that goal. If the pandemic has taught us one thing is that we need to do more to attract visitation from secondary markets to supplement our tourism industry, resilience and visitation from the United States. As well as our research and our marketing data providing significant justification for relaunching this route from, the, from a tourism perspective, we believe the service to Panama will provide the Cayman Islands with many other benefits. For example, the free trade zone in Colon, which is located less than 50 miles from Panama City, Panama City, is the largest free port in the Americas. 
It is dedicated to re-exporting a wide variety of goods and merchandise from Panama to Latin America and the Caribbean. There are more than 3,000 established companies in the zone, representing an attractive option for travelers from a trade and business perspective. Two, there are several Cayman companies which conduct business through Panama, having the convenient option for transporting products could lead to the reduction in cost of living for many Caymanians and would allow Cayman Airways to benefit from the sale of seats and cargo. This strategic move, both from a tourism and business perspective. Three, based on our statistics provided from the Cayman's Department of Tourism, in 2022, our islands received a total of 6,498 visitors from the Latin American market. This amounted to just 2,500 people less than in 2019, which saw 8,947 people visiting for the market in that year. With the direct service available to travelers, we're anticipating seeing more positive growth from this region. The relaunching of Panama service of the Panama service, along with the recent introduction of the LAX route, fulfills my ministry's objectives to expand into new markets and grow visitation outside of the Cayman Islands' typical source markets. This move also showcase, showcases our work towards fulfilling our broad outcomes number 10 of the government's strategic policy statement, which seeks to, one, expand into emerging, emerging, emerging markets and secondary, secondary tourism markets, two, to market to high net worth visitors, and three, to expand Cayman Airways routes. The Panama City route fulfills those objectives and will serve as a gateway from the surrounding Latin American markets, such as Brazil, Argentina, and Colombia, making it easier for travelers from those regions to access our beautiful country. Our announcement today represents another significant accomplishment in the partnership between the Ministry, Department of Tourism, and Cayman Airways. I would like to acknowledge everyone involved in their efforts to bring in this, this route back into effect, particularly though, the management and the staff at Cayman Airways who have worked extremely hard to have this service up and running in a relatively short time. Given the significance of tourism to our economy, we are fortunate to have Cayman Airways as a national airline and tourism partner. I offer my sincere thanks to them and all their dedication to these islands in respect to the tourism product. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Minister Bryan. We're now going to go to the CEO and President of Cayman Airways Limited, Mr. Fabian Worms. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, I'd like to give a little bit of information to supplement the Minister's um, good introduction as to why we're going to Panama. Uh, but the information I'd like to give has to do with what our schedule and flight times will be. Um, we will be operating to Panama on a twice weekly service. It will be on Mondays and Thursdays. We are timing our flights to arrive in Panama round about midday, spend an hour and 30 minutes on the ground, and then come back to Cayman. What this does is it puts us right in that sweet spot for connections. So this means connections inbound to Cayman that would take place in Panama and connections for passengers leaving Cayman going elsewhere, connecting in Panama. So the, the timing of the flight 
uh, on any given day is very strategically done to create these connections. So serving Panama is not just about serving Panama. The Tokomen Airport is one of the, the best hubs in the world when it comes to um, connectivity and in-transit travel. When I say in-transit, this particular airport is actually designed that if your bags are already checked all the way through and you have a boarding pass, you do not have to land in Panama from an immigration perspective. You can simply walk from one gate to the other gate and board your flight. We are partnering with Copa Airlines. Um, Copa is the Panamanian national airline and Tokomen Airport is their hub. Uh, Copa itself is a significant part of the United Airlines network and their connectivity throughout Latin and Central and South America, Latin America in general, is phenomenal. So we, we have been speaking with them for some time. We had a relationship with them before when we were in Panama, and it's just a matter of resuming that relationship. So I think um, the residents of the Cayman Island, as well as new visitors to the Cayman Islands, can look forward to this now brilliant hub to connect. And it goes beyond um, just Latin America, uh, even Europe. Uh, almost every corner of the globe, uh, Panama serves as a really, really, really good hub. We're in the process now of reducing some of our frequencies to some of what we may consider our core gateways. Uh, one such gateway is Havana. We're not pulling out of Havana, but we're reducing our frequencies. And what this is doing is it's giving us the extra capacity that or available capacity that we can use towards a flight like Panama. So the, the ministry's interest and the Department of Tourism's interest in Panama at this time was actually quite timely. We were very happy to dust off the business case that we had done in 2011 before we commenced service in 2012. Uh, we operated to Panama before seasonally during the summer seasons between 2012 and 2015. All of those flights covered what we call our variable costs, which meant they made a contribution to our fixed costs or our overheads. So those flights were not loss-making flights. So we're not going into this venture um, with anything like thinking about a potential loss operating the route on our minds. Um, we're very confident that it will cover its costs again. The reason why we discontinued Panama in 2015 was because at that time, we also launched our Dallas service. And Dallas was a service that was a very strategic tourism service. And we needed to ensure that with the old fleet that we had, the 737-300 aircraft, we needed to ensure that we had the reliability and redundancy within our fleet 
in order to, to make Dallas succeed. So something had to give within our schedule. And we worked closely with the government at that time to decide what part of our schedule, um, strategic or core, um, would be reduced so that we could continue with our efforts now as a, a lever of economic growth, driving tourism in the Cayman Islands. What was more important? And at that time, Dallas came out ahead. Um, our Dallas route was successful. It's subsequently now being served by other carriers. And as we always do, as Cayman Airways always does, we are always the first to start a route and do our best to make the route viable. And once it becomes viable, then it becomes attractive at times to other carriers. And when they come in, if it's not feasible for us to coexist, then we repeat the process. We look for another new route in order to, um, to help drive tourism within the Cayman Islands. There are some other benefits to, to Panama uh, when we speak about tourism, because it's not just the, the typical leisure tourists. Uh, Cayman is a very developing country when it comes to the issue of offering health services. So health tourism is something that is, is quite significant and it's, it's growing more and more all the time. So we do know that we um, do get a lot of tourism here now in the form of health tourism from Latin and Central America. So we expect now that with, uh, with this service, we're actually creating an environment that will allow that sector of our tourism product to grow even more because Cayman now becomes more accessible to provide these services. So all in all, um, I think based on the times that we've chosen and the days of week, it's going to be Mondays and Thursdays, and we intend to now operate it year round in this instance. There may be a reduction in service when it comes to what we call our shoulder or slow periods, but that reduction might be from two frequencies to one. But that at this point is not a given. That is a contingency in that if the demand is there to support the two flights, we will continue with the two flights. So I think that about um, sums up a clear picture of, of why Cayman Airways is, is happy to engage in doing the route and what our projections are in terms of whether or not the route will succeed. And um, I, I, think, I think we could maybe have our deputy chair add a few more words on behalf of Cayman Airways. Sure. Thank you very much, uh, CEO, and to the minister um, for allowing this platform to um, launch the Panama route and, and share with our viewers the exciting news. Um, the board is really tasked by the ministry and by the government to um, take care of the uh, projected outlook for where the airline is going to go. And it's very important to this board and my fellow board members that we um, are able to work hand in hand with the management and with the, the, the minister and his team in the ministry to all have a common goal and pull together. 
Um, as, as the minister uh, mentioned, this is part of our growth uh, plan for the airline. Um, it is very timely, as the CEO has said, so we're very excited to launch this, uh, this service. Um, the, the great thing about having new equipment, it provides us with a high level of reliability, um, but it also provides us with a much bigger area of opportunity in, in which we can operate. So I look forward to many, many um, exciting things to come from the airline and uh, Panama is just one step in, in that path. Thank you very much, Mr. Bergstrom. And again, to Minister Brian and Mr. Worms, uh, we're now gonna open the floor for questions from members of the media, uh, beginning with Mr. Ralph Lewis from the Caymanian Times. Thank you, Donna. And good morning, gentlemen. It's been a very good opportunity to come here again. Happy New Year to you. And we look forward to many more uh, press briefings. Mr. Lewis, if I could um, interrupt you for one quick second. I'm so sorry. Uh, I just don't want the listening public um, to, to run away if they got all the details. There's two more very important announcements. I was planning to take the questions at the end. Um, if you want to do the questions now all together um, and come back for another round of questions, would you rather do everything one time? Yes. That may sound good. So Donna, I'm going to go into the other two announcements now. Again, um, thank you so much, Donna, for your assistance in that respect. I would like now to update the public on the actions of the government is taking and being proactive to address the capacity issue at our cargo port. A strategic outline case, or SOC, concerning the expansion of the Cayman's cargo port has been accepted by Cabinet. And approval has been granted to proceed with the development of an outline business case for this project. These two comprehensive documents, the outline case and the business case, serve different purposes and are required under the procurement law. The strategic outline case establishes the options for government's consideration. The outline business case is completed by financial experts and taking things a step further by examining each of the options in more details, including their cost. This is ultimately what helps governments to determine which of the scenarios are feasible and or affordable or worth pursuing. By way of background for the public's understanding, I should note that our cargo port serves as a main port of entry for at least 95% of all ports to the Cayman Islands. And hopefully with the route to um, Panama, that, that number can go down a little bit as we'll be getting some cargo imports with Cayman Airways. During the day, it is used for cruise operations and it transitions into cargo operations at night between the hours of 6 p.m. and 5 a.m. The strategic outline case has outlined that the capacity to bring goods through the port are currently stretched. And the reality is, within 10 years, we will also be nearing the capacity of the vehicles that are currently being called here. Taken together, this means that the port will not be able to handle the level of cargo required to support our growing economy and population. In addition, the cargo vessels that are currently coming here are getting older and are reaching the end of their expected lifespans. As they transition out of service, they're being replaced with larger vessels. 
The new cargo ships are also much wider and require larger cranes that are able to reach across the ship. The boom of the cranes that are currently used are not built structurally to be able to lift containers across a wider span of the ship. Moreover, the bigger the ships with more capacity require a deeper draft. When fully loaded, their draft will exceed the depth of the water at the port, meaning that the ships will not be able to fully berth at the current pier that we have. These issues are not new. The concerns regarding capacity at the port has been known for some time and were highlighted by the previous administration during discussions on the cruise berthing facility. Even though the country has decided not to move forward with the cruise facility, we still have the pending capacity problems with the cargo port that will become more acute over time. By starting this process now, the government is proactively attempting to gather all of the necessary information so that, the inf so that informed decisions can be made to resolve this pending problem. As I've said, the main purpose of this strategic outline case has been to identify the options for moving forward and calls for us to either expand the existing port facility in Georgetown or to establish a port at an alternate location on the island. As several options have been included in the report as possible locations for consideration. Given that this, pro that the, given that this process is a major undertaking by the Port Authority, the Port Authority intends to recruit a project manager to oversee the business case process, which will be carried out by independent financial experts. The intention is to follow a similar framework as the airport redevelopment project. The Port Authority has started the process and will have more updates in the coming weeks. Once the project manager is recruited, the next steps in the process will be to do a RFP, which is a request for proposal, to be issued, seeking the financial consultants to draft the outline business case. As is customary, the strategic outline case will be, will, include, will be included when the project goes out for tender. In addition, once the consultants have been identified to draft the outline business case, a public consultation process will also take place at that time. In keeping with the government's focus on transparency, I am requesting that the strategic outline case report is uploaded to the Ministry of Tourism and the Port Authority websites this week for the public to review. Moving on now to the other announcement and my final update for the public today, I would like to address the situation regarding the reigning Miss Kimmon Islands universe. On Thursday, the 9th of February, following the conviction of Miss Tiffany Colony, the Ministry of Tourism issued the statement which read, and I quote, the Ministry of Tourism and Miss Kim Islands Universe Committee are aware of the summary court ruling in a criminal case pertaining to our reigning Miss Kim Island Universe, Miss Tiffany Colony. The committee, along with the franchise, in consultation with Miss Universe organization, will explore the available options pursuant to inter alia, the contract between Miss Connolly and the committee and the franchise, unquote. The first question arising from that statement would be, why has the ministry waited until now to explore those options? The answer is, from a legal perspective, 
we're obligated to wait on the decision of the court in this case. What has been recognized as a result of this situation concerning Ms. Connolly is that the ministry under the franchise agreement has very limited authority to make decisions independently of the Miss Universe organization. As the minister with responsibility who inherited this franchise when I took office, this is something that is very concerning for me. Additionally, there are a number of changes taking place within the Miss Universe organization, and we, are currently, we currently do not know whether the franchise holder will be obligated to accept these new rules or whether they will be optional. I have been advised by the Miss Universe organization that they have been contacted and asked to provide some more clarity on what the new rules would be and how they would potentially have an effect on our, con on our contestants moving forward, and I await their response. In light of those concerns and uncertainty, I'm seriously considering whether the ministry, acting on behalf of the Cayman Islands government, should continue with the franchise. It may be that the country may be served better or get the same benefits if a private individual or a private sector company held the franchise, similar to what is currently happening with the Miss World franchise. I intend to review the franchise with my colleagues in caucus and in cabinet so that we are in agreement on the way forward. And I will, of course, update the media and the public at that time. There is no question that this has been a very difficult situation for all concerned, especially the Miss Kim Nallens Universe Committee. They are all volunteers who have dedicated a great deal of their time and effort to empowering young ladies to achieve their goals and aspirations through the pageant process. I recognize that this has not been an easy time for them, and I want to thank them personally for all the service and dedication they have given to the young ladies over the years. It is my understanding that the court, that, that now that the court proceedings have reached this stage, the committee now has the authority and have agreed to relieve Ms. Connolly of the crown. I further understand that the committee has taken action in this regard, and Ms. Connolly has been notified of this decision. I wish her well and her best. I wish her the best in her future endeavors. As a result, Ms. Chloe Powery Doxy will formally be crowned and will carry out the duties and carry out those duties for the remainder of this term. And we also wish her well in her new role as Ms. Kim and Allen's universe. I will now open up the floor for questions from the media in respect to the, the three topics that we have discussed this morning. Thank you, Minister. Um, in the interest of time, I'll stick with the first topic, which is the, Panama, the new Panama route. On behalf of one of our colleagues, Wendy, who couldn't make it here today, um, she asked me to ask this question, and she would like to know what is different to the Panama route now that will make it work when it failed 10 years ago? Um, if, if I may, I think that the CEO did a very good job in summarizing um, what's um, different now today than before, but I'm just gonna add on to that. Some of the major emerging markets that have shown itself in our recent data and, and um, research is Colombia and Argentina has now been seen to be some of the fastest growing um, target audience that we want in respect to their spend 
Um, and obviously the easiest way to get to them rather than flying to Colombia and Argentina directly is as the CEO has highlighted, having partnerships with major airlines like Copa to share that uh, arrangement. The types of um, um, target audience we have usually have US visas anyway, but rather than going up and coming back down, uh, we think this will be a little bit more convenient for them. Um, the CEO also um, highlighted the opportunities from a cargo perspective and in light with the high cost of living as the government is trying to do everything it can to reduce that, I think if we give businesses the opportunity to import goods at a cheaper price, they can pass on those savings. Um, and you also heard the CEO speak about the fact that it was a matter of choice, deciding which one was the best one at that time between Dallas, a tourism strategic route, and Panama. With our new fleet, and thanks to the CEO and the board before and the previous minister, with our now amazing new fleet of, of jets, we have the luxury of being able to say, we're not gonna have any concerns of redundancy. So therefore we can go ahead with this route with surety and the data shows that it will not be a loss route. So if it's not a loss, I think it would definitely be a benefit from the perspective of cost reductions to our people, as well as whatever percentage we get um, from the Latin American markets and those co-chairing agreements. Um, I think that the Department of Tourism will be focusing heavily within the Americans markets, as well as you heard the CEO talk about other European markets that fly into Panama from the west coast of the Americas. So the opportunities are totally different than it was um, in 2014 was when we decided to move away from that, which was some nine years ago. So the totally different circumstances, totally different set of data and reasoning and logic and, and um, equipment that we have here that makes it all justified. And I'm very proud of the board and the management of CEO to working together to fulfill this um, broad outcomes within the government's policy statement. Thank you for an elaborate explanation. I'd, I'd just like to add one thing to that. Um, the equipment being the 737-8, which of course is a larger aircraft, the cargo carrying capacity is 50% more than the equipment we used to have. So um, that obviously means we also have 50% more capacity to carry cargo now than we did then. So that cargo piece of the pie, which is very important because a seat may go empty, but if there is 200 pounds of cargo in the belly, then the revenue to the airline could roughly be equivalent to the same as having a seat empty. So we have that extra capacity as well. So that ties in with what the minister said about the drive for cargo. And remember the call on free zone is of course, um, you know, a, a trader's haven so we're really looking to capitalize on the cargo element of the service. Okay, I have two more questions for you, sir. Um, are there any other routes besides Havana that will be affected by this new route? And no. do you have an airfare at this point? Um, yes, uh, did I give the start date? Yes, I, I, um, okay, right. June 20th. Right, um, the airfare will normally be in the region of 260 US and that is without the taxes. The taxes adds another 130 on top of that. So you're looking at a total price of less than 400 US. Um, as we launch the service, uh, the public can expect that we may have some introductory pricing, which may be a little bit more attractive than that fare. But those are the fares that, the, the sort of fares that we have filed.
And are there any other um, schedules that will be affected once you start this one? Um, as, we're, we're in the process of making a variety of changes to our schedule, all of which are minor. Uh, this will fit in very nicely with what we have done, and it's, it's not a significant or drastic change. Okay. It's more a matter of changes, you know, the times of day when various things happen, not, not any, you know, massive reduction in, in any type of service. Okay. My final question back for the minister. Um, do you have an idea of how many residents travel to Panama from Cayman, whether it's via Miami or via other destinations? Um, actually, I don't have that data, but I suspect it will increase tremendously based on the response I've heard from the public when we first announced the possibility of going to Panama. Um, I've even gotten a, a letter from Chamber of Commerce um, suggesting that they are in support of this route because of the business opportunities within trade. Um, and just your general public, we have a strong Latin American um, um, group of Caymanians who, who go to Panama quite often and, and the other surrounding areas that will make it easier for them rather than traveling through Jamaica or, or Trinidad. So I think my gut tells me and the data shows me that I think this is going to be successful more than it was in 2014. Thank you very much. Thank you, Donna. Okay. Uh, we're now going to take questions from Norma from the campus. Morning, gentlemen. Morning. Um, I've got a few questions on all three topics that we covered this morning. Um, first of all, uh, you mentioned that the route to Panama would expand the market for Argentina, I think Brazil and Colombia, um, which brings me to the question, Colombia needs visa. If you're coming from Colombia, you need a tourist visa to get here, as you do from many other Latin American and South American countries. Is there any plans in Cayman to relax the visa requirement for tourists from Latin America? I, I, I would love to, but it's not my decision to do so. Um, that's a security, a national security issue. I've expressed um, my hope that the minister and the governor's office can explore that option. Um, I know that much of the concern around that region um, over the years, but I think that with the technology and background checks that airlines do now before people travel, is so efficient that the visa requirement for those jurisdictions may not um, be as necessary as they once were. Um, therefore, relieving the pressure and, and gives us an opportunity to increase the visitation from those markets. Um, so I have expressed that to the Minister, the Honorable Deputy Premier, who is in charge of Customs and Border Control. Um, and also from a security perspective, the Governor's Office um, so that they are aware that that's my want and my wish. Uh, I leave that to those who have that authority. But even outside of that, I believe that particularly the target market that we are focusing on, um, they are usually of high net worth and usually have no problems having a US visa anyway. Um, and also the, the other component is that a lot of um, countries west of the Americas can also use the route of Panama to get to Cayman, just like how the Asian American markets can use, uh, Oceana, Oceana markets can use LAX to get to Cayman. So this is just another route of convenience uh, at the same time, hopefully getting a large enough percentage of, of persons from those two jurisdictions and others. So Argentina and Colombia is only two, but there's many um, very successful Latin American markets 
that have persons of good wealth and who would love the Caribbean. Um, so we have to examine that and hopefully I can have some more success to make it even more profitable uh, in the future. Okay, so, so talks are underway with the other yes. departments to make this a Correct. possibility. Okay. Um, that, you mentioned the LAX route. Uh, do you have any kind of update at the moment on the numbers for there? I heard it's doing very, really, really good. Well, uh, at this point in time, we are going through a bit of a slow period, but so are many of our routes. Uh, the airline business is very seasonal, so so this is normal. And what I will say is LAX right now is performing just as well as New York is. Um, so we're, we're quite happy with that. On the premise of forward bookings, which are bookings that have already been made for future travel, we're very happy with the level of bookings that we have with LA. So at this point, we're quite comfortable with how LA is performing. We're not disappointed in any way. I think it's living up to be exactly what we predicted it to be. Do you have any numbers that you can actually share with us, a sort of seat percentage that's been taken up in future um, bookings? In terms of like a percentage load factor, mm -hmm. we have been operating uh, basically between the very high peaks and some of the troughs. We're averaging above 60% load factor. At the moment, or yes. for future? Um, going forward, uh, going into the summer, it's it's we're looking at a much higher load factor. We're probably thinking about above 70% load factor. I think it is a very important factor to consider here, which is where the 60% is, which I understand is at most of the front of the plane, which is the first class, business class, um, are, are the ones that go out for sale first and, and are first to get sold off, which gives a different ratio of profitability. So you may have, if you had 60%, just in the back is totally different than 60% of the front and some of the, the regular seats. So the good news is that many of the passengers that are booking are filling up the business class seats first. Just to add to what the minister is saying, um, even on flights where the load factor may be 60%, the 16 business class seats, uh, generally they're always sold and, and we're commanding quite a good premium from the LAX market because it is that type of market that, um, you know, desires that top type of service. So that's a very good point that the minister made there. So if you were to look, you can't just look at it in terms of the numbers of passengers, but you look at the yield, uh, which is the revenue that the flight generates. And again, we're completely happy with what we're seeing. It's entirely on point. Okay, that's good news. Um, regarding you mentioned one of the reasons for the flight to Panama is the amount of cargo that we might be able to bring in. Are there any considerations towards if there isn't a big uptake on passenger load, perhaps having cargo only flights? Is that something that's in your wheelhouse at all? I, I haven't had any discussions about that, but as you heard the CEO highlight that this new fleet operates at 50% more in capacity than the past one. Um, I think what we will obviously do is analyze the um, the interactions with the market. And if that becomes feasible and, and profitable, of course, I, I think the board would be minded to examine any possibilities to, to increase the profits for the company. And that's what they're obligated to do. So if that becomes uh, an option, then yes, we'll support it. Once it makes money, once it makes sense, once we get tourism, our, 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 our profits from, from, from trade, yes, of course we would do that. Just to follow up on that, Minister, um, just just so you're aware, part of the analysis that uh, that we did really 
the passenger load is what dry is driving the, the relaunch, not not just the cargo capacity. We we kind of see the cargo capacity as a bonus, but our our um, all of the uh, data that we have and the modeling that we have from from the various different groups that we use to provide this information has supported a very strong passenger segment for us. So the launch is based on the numbers for passengers with, with cargo being a bonus for us on that. Okay, thank you. Important point, thank you. And my final question on this subject, uh, the reduction of the flights to Havana, can you give us details of that? How many times a week are we going to be flying now? Um, we, for many years, had offered two flights per week. Uh, this is to support weekend travel. That is going to remain intact. Um, depending on the demand, we've often had a midweek service as well. Um, quite recently, however, we've been having five frequencies a week to Miami because the demand there was very strong demand for those five frequencies. Um, that demand has now tapered off, so we're reverting back to two frequencies a week. So we're basically going from five to two. We have already reduced it from five to four, and we're now in the process of going down. Thank you. Moving on to the uh, port issue that you covered earlier. Um, obviously, the major issue that we had with the cruise berthing, the objections to that was putting in a, a physical dock there. Are there, as part of the outline business case, is that going to be a consideration to put in an actual physical dock for the cargo port? Well, whatever the, the the report comes back with is what we will consider. Um, the most important thing here is food security for the country. We got to be able to feed our people. Unfortunately, we don't have a large enough um, agriculture component here, and this is a national issue. Hence the reason I thought it was important to get ahead of this and make people understand the importance of this. So, I mean, we have the strategic outline case which has made some suggestions and options of expansion of the current port. It has suggested considerations of, of having to expand out in the water, not only the holding location, um, but it's also made some suggestions of going to a brand new location. At this particular point, I think it's important that we wait for the other report, the outline case, outline business case, to see what those recommendations are. And one of the recommendations could be do nothing, one that I do not support, uh, because I, I don't want to be the minister who was in charge of this thing, recognized the problem that's coming for our people and did nothing. I know this is going to be a very sensitive topic, um, but the right thing to do is talk about it now so we understand this is no longer about cruise passengers. This is now about being able to feed our children and ourselves and our people. So hence the reason I want to get ahead of it. All the media will have an opportunity to see the report, what it suggests, what it has considered, um, the public will be able to do that when we go into the outline business case. You will hear and see what the consultants are taking into consideration. They will hear from the public will have opportunity to put their uh, opinions out there. And we all factor in it together as a country and decide how we move forward. We just, I think it's, it's being proactive to not have this pending problem come and we don't plan for it from now because any kind of changes in that respect takes a long time. It doesn't happen within one year. It may take 10 years. To, to get something done. When will the outline business case be available, do you know? Uh, I'm hoping that maybe by as early as tomorrow morning that it should be up on the website. The, the, oh, sorry, I thought you said a strategic outline case. Oh, the, the business yeah, case. Business outline. I can't say that yet. It's because it's the port that has to do it. They're currently in the process of um, hiring a project manager who will do the RFP and then send it out to bid. So 
I would ask that I'm quite sure the chairman and the port director can happily give you a timeline of how soon they will plan to do that. I've done my part as the minister to bring it to cabinet. The cabinet has approved it and they're now on to the next stages. But I would definitely keep on them to keep a, a timeline because we need to get this ball rolling. Who are the consultants who are working on it? They, they haven't been selected yet. Oh, they have not. No. Okay. So this is a strategic business case that's been drawn up that Correct. gives the bare bones and Correct. what we're looking for. Basically. Correct. Okay. Um, finally, just one question regarding the Miss Kiman issue. Uh, you mentioned the new rules from the Miss Universe mm. the organization. Um, mm. What what are they? Uh, that's, that's the thing. We don't know. Um, there if you don't know, been... why are you saying we're possibly pulling out from uh, being their franchise holder? Well, we don't know what the rules are yet. Well, the, 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 the pulling out or potentially considering a pullout wasn't based only on changes that we are not aware of. I'm just only going based on rumblings that I've heard within the industry of changes are coming. So, for example, just recently we got an email just out of the blue from the organization saying, we're now switching to a bid process and you have seven days to bid on the, uh, uh, on the franchise. And, and I was caught off guard, but I was like, hold on. For one, we there was an established price. Um, we are a franchise holder. You just have the option to renew. And just with a very short window, we were notified that we have to put a bid in without no opportunity to do proper analysis. It's situations like that, that that gives reason for concern. Also situations like what we unfortunately had to go through with the, the former Ms. Kiman, uh, Ms. Tiffany, whereby we couldn't make decisions on behalf of the country of what we wanted to do because the franchise agreement obligated us to ask them first. And if they said, no, we couldn't do anything. Um, so these factors plus um, potential changes that we're unaware of, it's like saying changes are coming, I want you to sign an agreement and I don't know what they are. All of these things is what myself and my colleagues will have to decide whether we go forward. And as I said in my statement, maybe we can get the same benefit of this, organize, uh, of this franchise if we just allow private sector to do it. Um, I suspect there will be some robust discussion about this because we have been attached to this pageant for quite some time. Um, but if we continue to move forward, there's gonna to have to be some drastic changes on how we approach the Miss Cayman universe and our relationship with the franchise. In this instance, did the government and the Miss Cayman committee have to go to the Miss Universe Federation, I'm not sure what it's mm. called, to get permission to remove Miss Connolly from Correct. the position? So we have to get formal permission from them Correct. to do so. That's how difficult things have been over the last few months. And I know that the public has been really annoyed, but I wasn't able to comment on it because of the legality. And that's one of the primary things that I'm concerned about, that if we're a stronghold that tightly on making a call in the best interest of our brand called Cayman, that we, we got to be able to have the freedom to make a call if we have to. And that's what happened. And I'm just, I'm just hoping that we can move forward because the franchise itself and the good committee members who've worked so hard over the years and future women who may want to be involved in this, sadly, may be tainted now of, of this organization. And that has to change altogether. And I intend to change it. I'm glad we're all past the step. Now it's about improving the way forward. Thank you very much, uh, Norma. I do have a couple of questions that, are come in, that have come in from the public. Um, 
<coughs> questions for Mr. Fabian first. Uh, how soon will persons be able to book their flights to Panama? And not sure you mentioned how long the flight will be from Grand Cayman. The flight will be one hour and 50 minutes, um, basically both directions. And we plan to have tickets on sale before the end of the month, so within the next two weeks. Okay. Uh, this is another question to Cayman Airways, uh, unrelated subject, however. Um, there's been some question about recent raises with staff at Cayman Airways. Uh, some people saying that they got like very low raises, like $40, a $40 raise. I don't know if the minister or somebody from Cayman Airways can address that. Um. Donna, thank you for the question. I, I, I unfortunately was hoping to have this area resolved without it having to be in the public domain. But um, what has transpired is that there was a POX evaluation to get the um, employees in line with the Public um, Service Public Authorities Act. Um, that analysis, in my humble opinion, I want to be very careful because it's not my place to dictate what the salaries are, but the process has to be examined, in my humble opinion, as minister, to surely reflect the hard work of each employee at Cayman Airways. A POX evaluation was done before my tenure, an agreement on what job description and exactly what line of salary they were supposed to get. I think since then, we've seen the value of this stakeholder and this company to this country since the pandemic. The fact that cabin crew and, and, and pilots expose their lives to make sure there's connectivity to the rest of the world for us to trade, to import goods, import medicine, was not factored in that POX analysis and what their pay scale is. And with that being said, I've asked the board to see whether there needs to be a reevaluation of particularly some of these posts where members got like a $40 increase, which again, I don't have the authority to dictate it, but I'm very disappointed in it. I think the Cayman Airways um, employees deserve so much more than, and, and, and not all cases. There are some cases that the POX evaluation did justify what I believe is a decent increase, but there's many, many other areas that fell short of it. And I think there needs to be a review of their job descriptions and the exposures because those were done before COVID and the realities of how important those staff um, and employees of Cayman Airways is, is to us. So I've asked the committee to, to look at that. And I think maybe it'd be best if Chris, um, the deputy chairman, can give us an update on where that is because it is something that as minister, if I need to find the money to give to the to Cayman Airways, if they can get the evaluations different, I will find it because Cayman Airways staff is very important to this country and important to me as minister. When you mentioned POX, one second, Mr. Bergstrom, could you explain to the listening of you in public what POX is? You said POX is the agency within the civil service that helps overview um, the salary bans that would obligate a government-owned company or a statutory authority to be in line with the civil service salary scale, which is what is mandated by the Public Authorities Act um, for Cayman Airways, and we're trying to get them in line, not only for salaries, but for benefits. And I think this is a great opportunity for me to say this too, which is obviously the budget that we have now is a budget that reflects a COVID situation. Uh, it was my hope uh, or my plan to have not only the salaries addressed, but also the benefits when respect to pension and health resolved in the next budget. 
So my team and I are already starting to work within the ministry to make sure that the monies are available to Cayman Airways to be able to pay the staff for their health uh, and, and pension benefits to be in line with the civil service. I wish I could do it earlier. I trust me, I wish I could. But we have to be financially responsible with the budget that we currently have because it was not planned for. Um, so we're trying our best. I'm even, I'll not say that, but we're going to address it soon. Um, but for the salary part, which we've already given the commitment to, um, I think that part falls short of what I think they're deserving. So I'll allow the deputy chair to. Yeah. Um, thank you, Minister. And Donna, again, thanks for the question. It's something that we've been working. Um, the board of directors has taken a keen interest in this. We've been working extremely hard with the uh, with the management team, um, and we've met with some of our uh, employee groups that have been most affected by this. the The concern is is that one, uh, as the minister said, when this process was uh, was carried out, it is possible that there were some uh, things that were not taken into consideration. So we are. Uh, trying to reevaluate that, uh, that first of all, that the process was um, correct. The second thing is to make sure that we are um, knowing what these positions are, are uh, paid within, within the industry. What is the norm, uh, what is fair, and what's not. So we've been very honest with our employee groups who have been affected with that, and we, uh, we're working through this process. I don't want to get into too many details because um, we, you know, we actually don't have the answers quite yet. But uh, the the management team, who, you know, on top of the day-to-day -day operation, this is a massive undertaking when you have uh, the amount of employees that we have to um, to actually sit and look at almost every single position and every post in the company and almost do a reevaluation of that. So. That process is underway. Um, we are committed to to our employees, and uh, we don't want them to feel undervalued. And unfortunately, that is the case. You know, they they some of them felt really undervalued, and um, and that's not what the intent was. So I will say this on the on the other side is that Cayman Airways is has always been uh, an expense item for the government. We we all understand what we are are. Um, about and what what we do, uh, however, it's it's very important that we find, you know, the the good news. Like we're here today talking about launching uh, new routes. Uh, as a board, we're also tasked with trying to find uh, new revenue measures. Uh, with new revenue and um, improvements to the bottom line, we have a little more autom uh, autonomy with with the salaries and being able to spend some more than simply going to the government and saying, this is going to be another expense item. So we, we try to strike a balance there. Um, we don't want to be just an expense item for the government. We want to be a contributor. And so that goes hand in hand with the decisions that we make. Okay. Thank you very much for answers to those questions from the public. Uh, any final words from the panelists? Any members before I close up? No? Um, once again, I would like to offer my thanks and appreciation to the leadership of Cayman Airways for their hard work and support and respect to this new Panama City service and their running of the company. Um, I truly appreciate them more than, than, than you know. I'd also like to encourage the public to, to look out for the cargo port um, 
SOC, which is the strategic outline case, which will be published on the ministry and the Port Authority website this week, hopefully by tomorrow. In addition, once the consultants have been identified to draft the outline business case, the public consultation process will be taking place. I want to say thank you so much for joining me here today. May God bless you and your family and the Cayman Islands. Thank you very much, um, Minister Bryan, and thank you to the public and the media, and of course, all of our panelists for today. Uh, thank you to the organizing teams for today's press briefing from the Ministry of Tourism and Transport, as well as Cayman Airways. I'm Donna Bush, wishing you a wonderful day.